1: Welcome to counter
2: charge I'm Tyler Schultz I'm Brittany Smith
1: I'm Matt young and I'm Rob enough and we are back again for another ogre review we're excited to be here so guys welcome to the show
2: thanks for having us yeah thanks Rob
1: I think the only one that's maybe new to the show or the new to this review is is Matt so Matt why don't you give us your your uh, your ogre credentials
0: sure sure
1: uh, my name is Matt
3: young I I uh, Used to have a hobby sauce channel. I guess I technically still do because it's not deleted, but I haven't updated it in a long time. Um, I am an ogre player. I have been playing ogres all through second edition and now into third. I won best ogre in the 2019 masters. Not to say I did great at the 2019 masters, but I did finish top half. I was close to top quarter and I was the master ogre. So that's me in a nutshell.
2: So I will quickly attest to the fact that Matt's a really good ogre player. I played against him last year at Masters, and I just barely squeaked out a tie. So there was that.
3: And uh, you know, Brinley, since you know we could talk a little game here, I think I still technically scored higher in that matchup because it was eleven to ten.
1: Uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> Trash talk, I like it. I like it.
4: <laughs> you know, I. I mean, I haven't played them um, a whole ton in tournaments, and I feel like I've increased a. Uh, as a player, by playing other armies, uh, but still Ogres are my number one favorite uh, army. I just love the way they look and how they play, and their whole deal,
1: so I can't wait to talk about them tonight. Let's start with this question. Why do you play Ogres? Really, let's start with you.
2: Ooh, uh, that's a good question. Okay, so I like to smash things, and that's why my two main armies are Veringer and Ogres. Uh, ogres are a fun one, too, because they get a lot of variety of different units that Each has like their own minor designated role. So at least in second edition, they were a little bit more clear for me, at least. Uh, But still in third, you got your siege breakers that are like the hard guys, warriors that are all rounders, boomers dealing with flyers or flanking units and so on, like hunters are really great in terrain. And I like being able to have all of these heroes that can run around, at least now that we have so many options and they can handle anything. Uh, brutal's fun. I just like the aesthetic of having all-large infantry as well. And uh, yeah, I'd say that's about it.
1: Tyler, same question over to you, sir. Uh,
4: I think I said this on the last time we did this, um, but I just love the aesthetic of Ogres, kind of what Brinley was saying. And then all the all the rules and stuff are really fun and unique. Uh, they really are the only army that's like them. Not like, you know, they're similar to something else. Like, they really are a pretty unique army i just personally love the way they look the way they play i like smashing things as well that's kind of the whole point right uh and i just have such a fun time when i play ogres i don't usually get like massive victories or anything it's usually quite a few trades and whatnot but i just personally love the fact that you can bring tons of ogres and just smash face that's that's really what it comes down to
3: and over to you matt Brindley hit a lot of what i like Ogres for. But uh, what initially got me into Ogres actually was I was an old hammer and I just liked the giant fat Mongolian models. You know, I had some models that looked like me. That was pretty cool. I don't look Mongolian, but I'm definitely a big guy. Uh, So it was just a lot of fun. And uh, I had a really cool, for those of you that have seen my army, I had a really cool kind of chaos theme with them. And that was really fun to do. Uh, And I've always been a very aggressive player. Uh, with anything that I do, any sort of strategy game, I really like to, you know, go hard and go big. So Ogres definitely fit that play style mechanic. Uh, so they look really cool. Um, I liked their old Hammer lore a lot, which, of course, I was playing them before we came to Kings of War. Uh, I like their lore in Kings of War some, too. Um, but I did like in in Warhammer how uh, everyone else was going to war and Ogres were going to McDonald's. Like, that's just, they were there to eat you. That's what they were there for. You know, I really like that. So um I like the way they look. I like the way they play, and uh, Brinley definitely hit. What's kept me there for sure is the heroes. The heroes are by far the coolest thing about ogres, and they have the best rule in the game. I mean, brutal's the best rule in the game. Period.
1: Well, it is now that the elites not uh, 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 as common, right? Oh, but but elite elite
3: doesn't feel as good as brutal. You got to no, you got to sure. take the feel. Yeah. You got to take the feel. How many? I mean, every single game, there's at least one point where you're like, "Ha, huh, I beat you," and they're like, "No, you're one under," and you're like, "Brutal." Yeah, and, yeah,
2: every single time. <laughs> that was Jesse's favorite, too, back when he was on. He loves doing that to people.
3: <laughs> Feels so good. That's why That's rule. why I say it's the best rule in the game.
2: Yeah, the only rule I think that rivals us now is the uh, indomitable will for Kingdoms of Men. But even then, Brutal is just so straightforward. You're never going to, well, hopefully you're never going to forget it. And it's something that you can really use efficiently as well. So every time you have a hero help out something else, like maybe red goblins or your hero with a flank, that brutal can still kick in. And I've had it happen so many times.
3: And that's a thing. That's a good mark of an ogre player. You know they're an ogre player when they don't forget brutal. Because even when you're playing another army for fun, and uh, you know you have a unit with brutal, you don't forget that crap. Because you're, I mean, you're, you're ogres. You, you use it too much to forget that.
4: Yeah, it sucks when you're playing with someone else and then. Like You're playing a different army, and then you go, well, if I was ogres, I would have killed them there, but I'm not, so I guess I'll take the waiver in sad day when you're not playing ogres.
1: Everything you guys said, I'm, I'm in agreement with. I, I actually really like the models from the Mantic games. Here, here. And I actually am not an aggressive player, so I actually chose ogres to try to be more aggressive so uh, you mentioned brutal let's talk special rules uh brutal was the special rule back into in second edition that's now been baked into the ogre profiles and now we have an army special uh rule called croc dog uh once per game when the unit rolls to hit in melee you may choose to re-roll up to three dice that score a natural unmodified one the unit's croc dog is then destroyed it cannot be used again for the remainder of the game this is only good for hunters and warriors is that, is that right yeah, it's like why'd they even bother? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, it's it's cool, but it's on the two
3: units that we don't use very often. Uh which hey, you know, hey, 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 I hey,
0: use hey, now. Okay, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, we'll,
3: we'll back it It up may there, be, buddy. it may be a reason why you know they're trying to give us a better reason to use warriors or hunters. But um, I don't know. You can't really call it an army special upgrade if it's only on two units.
2: So. I do agree with that. And I find, I think elves are the only one who get their special rule on less units because they have two heroes. But for us, the the crocodile makes our units so efficient for that one key turn that you need it when you do that second or third turn charge. And I like it too because it's really something where like, say if you have the Warlord as well, if you're going into a flank, you actually get a lot of use out of it. And I'm typically a player that takes Blade of Slashing or Mace of Crushing a lot. This feels a lot like those. The only downside, like you guys have hinted at, is it doesn't go on Siege Breakers, which is the one unit that needs it the most.
4: And, and I would argue I would also argue that Berserker Braves would benefit a lot from it. Because they so have
2: chariots. So I mean can, they get
4: so many dice. And then when you roll fours, you're bound to get at least three ones in there. And I
3: always just wish they could be on Berserker Braves it needs to be on everything. I mean, I can't think of a single ogre unit. I mean, even boomers and shooters would like, especially boomers would like this army rule and almost be an auto take. If, you know, we could take it on anything. I don't think, Well,
4: especially, would really when it the, uh, especially when you compare it with the, especially when you compare it with the, like the goblins and how it get, they get the mop ups thing and everything in the army can take it. And it's like, man, yeah. I'm jealous.
2: They might add it in later. Maybe a future clash of Kings pack. will get the additional, upgrade for our units but currently i find the one standout with the crocodog is that it does allow two-handed warriors to do more damage than siege breakers but that's about
1: it well we should mention that they do have the crocodog models available on the mantic website they are currently uh, web only so maybe if they sell real well maybe we'll get them on our siege breakers
0: Maybe if
3: they put them on Siege Breakers, they'll start selling real well.
1: <laughs> Chicken <laughs> or the egg, right? Yeah. Touche, Matt. <laughs> well, let's jump in and talk about some units. So let's talk Warriors. Uh, they're very similar to what they were before. They're Speed 6, Malay 3+, plus, Defense 5. They're a Regiment, uh, Unit Strength 2. 9 Attacks, 12, 14 at 120 points. The Horde is 6. Models, uh, Unit Strength 3. Attacks 18, 15, 17 Nerve, uh, 200 points. And then the Legion, 12. Models, uh, Unit Strength 4. 36 attacks 12 22 24 nerve 350 points nothing's changed from what nothing's i understand changed. Yeah. regiments
2: uh-huh. are 10 points cheaper oh okay okay well that that's good change yeah and you'll see that across i think all of the ogre units regiments got cheaper across the board most of and the I ogre think units a... got
3: cheaper across the board in general i mean i know like yeah. warriors are not the case but siege breakers boomers and shooters and a few others went down 10 points yeah. I'm Hunters pretty sure that's
4: the third one. edition, a whole thing of the third edition. I'm pretty certain that like most regiments of large infantry got a points drop because nobody takes them. Yeah. I don't know if it's enough to make me take them, but I mean, it's worth noting, I guess. If they unlocked, if they unlocked,
3: it, unlocked. it, yeah, if they unlocked <laughs> it, it'd be worth taking them. But I mean, it, as they stand, they're horrendous. Um, ogres suffer terribly from um, low nerve to begin with. And that's, I mean, that that's, it's a trade off for large infantry. Obviously you have more attacks. And, uh, you hit harder, but you have a lower nerve. Um, but when you go to the regiments, man, it, that, that lower nerve hurts a lot because suddenly 1214 can get wavered really, really easily. And like goblins, uh, their regiment's 1214, they're just there to block. So when they get wavered, meh, who cares? But when an ogre warrior horde gets wavered, it feels bad. Uh, so I think that's why most people don't take them. I think the berserker braves are probably the best regiment to take because they're fearless. Um, and they don't have that problem. But, yeah, uh, if they were trying to encourage us to take warrior regiments, they should have, uh, you know, let them unlock.
1: And also mentioned the unit strength for a Legion now is four, right? Because in the past it was it was three.
3: They, it, they did change that. They changed that across the board with most armies. Uh, but I, I, I welcome that change. That was a good change. I, I was kind of wondering why legions didn't have a higher U.S. last edition. So it was good to see that they do now
2: say, so, Yeah, they partially address that because they're worried about, back then, if you had goblin legions or zombie legions count as more as well, they'd be very good for their points. And then they addressed that by doing this unit strength change. And they kind of dialed everything down a bit.
3: That makes sense, too, because they put U.S. into the pack. So you, exactly. could, you could say like, oh, well, you know, Goblin Legions aren't U.S. 4, but everyone else is.
1: And we should mention that the, the option's still there for two-handed weapons. You know, you lower the defense to 4+, and you get an extra crushing to make it go to crushing strength 2 for free. Yep. Let's talk about warriors. I'm not going to say much about them because in 3rd edition I don't use them.
3: I use warriors once um, for one, one purpose and one purpose alone, and that's two-headed warriors. Um, and I always have them as a second line. So I really think that it's a very cheap way to get a third Siegebreaker. So you put two siege breakers in the front. Uh, you either put them touching or basically touching. So the, um, the shooting gallery to get to those secondhand warriors, which is their biggest weakness, is defense four. So they get shot down really easily. Uh, they have a very narrow field where you can even get the shot. And if you do have the shot, it's a cover shot. Uh, so they generally get ignored. If they don't get ignored, that's fine. My frontline gets in un- unmolested, which you know is just as well. So it doesn't – they do their job either way. Uh, but normally the Siege Breakers are the one that gets hit, and then these uh, two-headed warrior guys come in, turn three, turn four, turn five, fresh. They hit just as hard as Siege Breakers now. Back in the day, they didn't hit as hard, but they hit hard enough. Uh, Now they hit just as hard. And as Brindley pointed out, you can put Crocodogs on them now, so they come hit hit an elite. They're really good at cleaning up whatever the Siegebreakers inevitably didn't get killed, because because Siegebreakers and are so low, you're going to lose at least one of them in a game. I've never had a game where both of my Siegebreaker Hordes survive, and this is just a cheap third Siegebreaker Horde. Yeah, I pretty much still start almost
4: every one of my lists with um, a Warrior Horde with the Defense 5 and then a Warrior Horde. Uh, similar to how Matt was just talking about with the higher crushing. I really like the higher crushing ones. I like them more in this edition than I did last. Um, But I still think that the warriors are really viable. I I know that if you're trying to optimize siege breakers, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, still do things a little bit better or quite a bit better. Um, But I I still use my warrior models, A, because I have the models and B, um, I do like the price point. I still think that they're very much a viable option.
2: Yeah, I'm in a similar boat in terms of like I I have the models and I want to use them uh, as well as like the I like having variability in my list. So I like having a mix of all different units. That's one of the main reasons I even take them anymore, unfortunately, because back in second edition, I felt that warriors were their own standout unit. You want them to just go grind with something that's defense three or four and then not care about it. And you had siege breakers for dealing with defense five plus. But now that Siegebreakers aren't crushing strength 4 effectively anymore, uh, these guys have a lot more of an issue in intermingling for that. So I spoke to Matt, decided I would try out the two-handed weapon warriors, and I do like them. Uh, I kind of stick them, instead of doing a second line, I more like to do in an area where you know that there's going to be no shooting coming at them and you can have a chaff to protect them. Even I think it works though like,
4: yeah.
2: the siege breakers are just... For 40 points, they're just better, especially since we have no rallying or ways to heal them, aside from drain life. Uh, I've struggled to keep warriors alive, and they just feel like they're wavered more often than not.
1: And Jesse Driver does ask about Ogre Legions. Um, he, he's asking specifically, you know, do you put the Brewer's Sharpness on an Orga Legion? Actually, I've kind of moved away from playing Legions. They're just too easy to get tied up, shot up, whatever. Legions are a trap, yeah. In a fun narrative game, they, they, they can be a fun little thing to throw at your opponent. But if you're playing anybody that, on any kind of competitive level, Legions just... As a whole, you just get sunk down and, and it usually will cost you the game long term.
3: I think with Legions, um, one, I would never put Sharpness on a Legion. The Legion already smashes everything it touches. I mean, why do you yeah. it's just that's a win more item and you don't want win more. That's that's bloat. But um the one thing that I do like about Legions is when you take more than one of them. So you take one, they're horrible because you can get chaffed up. Um, but if you take two or three, suddenly that's actually really scary. Now that's like a totally different list than what most people run. Um, so that, that's a, that's a huge modeling commitment for a list that I wouldn't even say is great. Um, I think it's okay. Uh, I know that, uh, Brad McKay had success with that at Alamo. It's kind of his joke list and being Brad McKay, even his joke lists are pathetically scary uh but i i liked it i thought it worked i think he took four legions he might have taken three i don't remember if it was three or four but uh, i think it works when you do like when you do the all in but legion is a list commitment like your whole list has to revolve around making sure those legions get in
2: it's pretty match dependent too like if you went up against someone with a whole bunch of drops and then some big hammers you're in big trouble because Anything like Soul Reavers or Kitted Up Huskarls or Heavy Cavalry can even one-shot a Warrior Legion in a good roll. And if you have two units hitting you, even the same thing, you're probably going to die in one turn. So if you have 400 points just gone off the table because of one hit, uh, you're really paying for that. Uh, so if anything, I'd only ever give them Pathfinder as an item, just so you can know that you're always running 12 and not being
3: hindered. I think you're going to have to get triple Sure, And they're footprint's big enough for that to happen but i don't think 22 24 defense 5 is going anywhere anytime soon i mean you're definitely not gonna get single charged with that
2: yeah yeah that's true it's a good point
1: you want to talk about hunters
4: yeah let's move on and talk about some hunters which i can't wait to talk about because i absolutely love them this edition they basically did what i used to do with them and then just you know made it part of their profile so Hunters are obviously large, large infantry. But they are now speed 7, uh, which is super great, especially because there's a couple items out there that can boost that up. So they start at speed 7. They do hit on threes. They are only defense 4, but, you know, whatever. Um, again, you can take them in regiments or hordes. Um, I'm just going to read the horde profile, which is 3-unit strength with 18 attacks, 15 and 17. Pretty standard stuff. They are 225 points. Uh, they are brutal, obviously, still crushing one because they are proper ogre. However, this is where they come into their niche. They are ensnare and pathfinder. They have the option to buy the crocodile for five points, which I still have to try out on them. But, um, yeah, the reason I'm so excited about them is because that speed and having the ensnare pathfinder is really, really interesting. I think, um, especially if you bump them up with some uh, magical artifacts like the brew of haste or the meat of madness they become basically cavalry and i really enjoy the idea of having just super fast ogres and then a lot of times things are scared to charge you because they have ensnare and they're usually going to be in terrain and then those stack and i just i just love hunters so what What do you guys think uh brinley what's what's your opinions
2: Uh, so I used to use them in second back when people told me it was a bad idea and I took them to the Chicago masters with uh, mixed results, but I've always enjoyed them. I've got the models for them. Uh, typically I only ever take one horde because I I think they'd probably be better even with two, but this way you actually know, like you've got one good set of trees, maybe with some more terrain across from it, you can keep moving into and you can line up a good target for them because I find these guys are very target dependent. Uh, if you go up against something that still hits really hard and is not going to be hindered going into you, you might still get one at anyway. Uh, or at least wavered, which is always a problem. I always, always take Crocodogs because I love it on these. Like If you just need that extra, I don't know, two hits in a turn can do that.
1: And it's five points, right? I it's mean, five points. Yeah, I mean yeah. It's, it's, it's a no-brainer.
2: Yeah, five points for the crocodile, five points for some other item like Staying Stone or Healing Brew, and, and you're good. And I haven't tried the Speed Booster items, though.
1: Here's my problem with them, though, is I've been playing a lot of Siege Breakers, and then I tried to mix in some Hunters, and people just shoot the Hunters off the table. <laughs> like, because you have all this other Defense 5 and Defense 6 stuff, they see the Defense 4, and yes, you can keep them in the woods, and I know that, but the reality is they just get shot off the table. The defense four just is rough. Now, if you can get them into combat and then ensnare can kick in, that helps. But uh, I have not had good luck in third edition with hunters.
3: The only way I've been able to combat something like that is to keep them second line again. Uh, a lot of times, things in the back don't get shot down. And if they do, they're doing their job anyway. I mean, that's how I always feel about second line. Like, if someone focuses on my second line before my first, I'm winning i'm fine with that but um that's the only way that i've gotten them to to not get shot down too they have the same problem two-handed warriors have uh where they just die like you're saying well well, yeah i
4: guess i guess it does kind of depend on your list creation but i almost built my list around the idea of speed and whatnot so and we'll we'll talk about lists later but i think i play pretty differently from the way you guys are talking from what i can tell it's fair um so if you if you kind of start from the the perspective of like going for that speed and that element, um I, I really do think they they have a good place and I've caught a lot of things up because it's like, oh crap, that thing's speed eight? What? And then they just run all the way up the table and smack something. It's pretty great.
3: From my end, I, I have had a little a little success with these guys. Um I definitely run them like cab, like you're saying now. Whereas before and second ed, I ran them more as like a Kind of an anvil and had some mixed results with that. It, it's it's decent against the alpha strike, but the main problem with them as an anvil is that they still have that fifteen seventeen nerve. Uh, yeah. So it, it doesn't matter that you're getting so many less hits on them because it takes so many less hits to take them down. If we could get in a snare unit that had like a you know a, a nineteen twenty one, I'd feel very differently about it. Um, and I felt very differently about it when Hell on Wheels was a thing because we could get the plus two rally, which was really really nice, but uh as they are now they're definitely kind of a flanker unit um they're definitely kind of list dependent on how well they do but i mean when you get them on the thing you want to get them on with the Crocodogs dogs and maybe either a speed item or crushing i like crushing on them a lot too um they're not bad they're not bad
2: so like rob i found they tend to draw a lot of fire Uh, I was never too stressed about this because I make it so if they are getting shot, it's in cover. And if they're getting shot, it means that my other stuff is not basically getting picked off like my Warriors or my Siege Breakers. And one of the other units, too, that I like to draw fire away from is the Blasters. Because if my opponent ignores the Blasters, they're going to be eaten those two turns later. That's a big deal.
1: And this might be a a recurring thing for us, which is... This is one of those deals where if you take a bunch of hunters, right, and now you've got a real like Tyler was saying, you got a fast list where you've got a bunch of speed seven. You added maybe some mammoths and some stuff that are chariots. Maybe you get seven, eights. You know, uh, I could see that working. Um, but for for my money, if you're only taking one unit, it's so situational that I don't know. I just stick just stick another, you know. I mean, it's only what fifteen points more for another horde of siege breakers.
3: That's a that's a good point though, Rob, and, and and you're right. That is a a big thing. I think anything is good when you take more than one of them. In Warhammer, uh, not Warhammer, in, in any game, I, I Kings of War, Warhammer doesn't matter. Any uh, 40k, it doesn't matter. Any any uh, war game. Sometimes you're like ah, I have a really hard problem using one of this model, and then suddenly you take two or three, and hey, it's working perfectly fine. So uh, if you made the hunter list, uh, and I'm interested to see yours, Tyler. Uh, I'd be I'd be interested to, to play that. I'd, 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 I'd give it a go.
1: Well, you want to jump in and talk about
3: some Braves? Berserker Braves here. Of course, we have uh, regiments and hordes like normal. Uh, they're going to be coming down in defense. They come down to defense four and they come up in attacks. Uh, so they get 15 and 30 attacks. Their melee drops down as well, uh, which I think is kind of the, the crux of the unit. But at least it was not second ed because they weren't the same. But they got something new that makes them different now and that's wild charge they have wild charge d3 so it's pretty deep wild charge these guys are already speed six so they could get up to like a seven and a half uh charge so just under cavalry if they roll well on the roll which is pretty cool uh they came down in price too they're 140 points for the regiment 230 for the uh for the horde so that's a 20 point reduction for the horde and a 10 point reduction for the regiment um stats are other than wild charge are the same so uh as as before so melee four defense four speed six brutal crushing one um and they have the berserker keyword which is important when you have warlocks and berserker braves uh in there because they are inspiring to these little guys uh when i was in second ed i really liked berserker braves i took them as regiments a lot it was a cheap unlock um and I like I said, I, I don't like regiments in general, but these guys are great because they're fearless. I didn't mention that in their stats, so that's that's a very important thing to mention for these guys. Uh it's what makes them so good. Uh dash 15, I think, is good for a regiment. I still think it's good, uh, even without it unlocking, although it does really limit the potential. I've ran them a few times just because I have the models and I had a I had a lot of fun, you know, making the models. Most of my guys are really chaos but these guys are like super chaosy. I have them with war paint and stuff like that and I really liked the models. So I do run them occasionally but I I feel very I feel very limited spending 140 points and not getting an unlock out of them. When they brought an unlock they were great. As a horde they did lose the um what was it? uh Finest Braves was a yeah, rock Finest Braves yeah, right which would have been the dash I 19.
1: Those, man. Yeah, with elite yeah, yeah.
3: So they lost that but they still have 30 attacks on fours, so 15 hits as opposed to a normal ogre's 12 hits. Uh, with Crush 1 and that Wild Charge. Um, I haven't played a lot with these. Maybe y'all have uh, played with them. I've I've played against Wild Charge, and it's very frustrating.
1: I'll chime in. I I have used them in every single one of my lists, and it is nothing like I would play in 2nd Edition. What I've been doing is, um, historically in 2nd Edition, I use Scouts as my Chaff mostly, maybe three or four troops of, of uh, scouts and I've switched to two troops of scouts and two regiments of berserker braves mm-hmm. and what I've been doing is putting them behind the siege breakers and then when the lines are close to you know making contact with the enemy I literally just pop them out what's amazing is that wild charge it gets in the opponent's head because they're not sure they're like well you, you normally you you're gonna charge at least 13 but maybe it's gonna be 15 and then they also know if they hit me if they don't bring the house they're probably not going to pop them because, you know, the dash 15 is, is a, is a decent number. And uh, I've had awesome luck with Berserker Braves um, in a chaff roll. Basically just throw them out there. Let them take the first hit. If they kill them, great. The siege breakers move in. Uh, if they don't kill them, they're just tying up the enemy. And uh, so I, I, I am a big fan of these guys. Now I realize it's 140 points versus, you know, hundred points for the scout, but these guys are a lot more survivable than, than the scouts and god forbid that they survive you get these guys into a flank or something they oh, man they're great
2: I'll, I'll say that is one of my favorite parts of third sometimes is having the chaff wars where you have to try to you know think one step ahead when you're list building of what are my chaff going to be good against because do you either want to have cheap chaff and you just don't care if they die or do you want chaff that beats your opponents out in combat right so If someone else has a Beast Pack or Gargoyles or something and they run into your Berserker Braves, they're going to bounce. You're going to beat the crap out of them. And then your opponent now has to deal with this 140-point unit. At that point, it's very much made its value back. And that's when I think they're fantastic. So they can survive that hit. And even then, if your opponent ignores them, you're not only hitting hard. If you do get the flank, like you said, that's a big
3: deal. Yeah, that, I have a, a theory, a war gaming theory, uh, a war gaming theory um, and it's the difference between chaff and chaff that does something. Uh, so, And that's what you were talking about, basically what you are talking about. I, I don't call these chaff. I call them blockers because uh, it's a different role, in my opinion, even though it, it, you don't want both. You either want chaff or blockers normally. Um, but, yeah, these things are uber chaff because they will – anyone's dedicated chaff, like Goblin Scouts or Beast Packs or Gargoyles or – uh, some of those cheap little night regiments or uh, troops, these guys eat them alive. I mean, just absolutely destroy them. Um, and that's what I really liked them in second ed. If you leave them alone, you have to deal with them too. Like you can ignore goblin scouts and just understand that something's going to get blocked, but you can't ignore these guys cause they will eat your face if you let them.
1: And the other thing I like to do though, is if you can put these braves at 15 inches from an enemy, they have to decide what they're going to do like are they going to risk it that you just don't roll a 3 on the d3 for the wild charge and hope that you don't roll that?
4: Yeah, exactly.
1: And that, and that, and like it, and it's just for me it kind of they're, they're on their back foot a little bit and it's been really good because you know as Matt said before, if you hit 15 inch charge it's better than hunters.
2: Above hunters, yeah.
4: Yeah, so this this is another huge component of my list cuz they are so fast and against wild charge if you're ever playing against wild charge you have to prepare for the fact that they could charge you, I mean, sometimes it's worth the risk of going into that 15-inch range, but most of the time, you know, you have to react to that, and that's why I love the Berserker Braves so much right now. Um, this is definitely a huge chunk of my my army um, for you know my fast one that I'm talking about. How do you guys feel about items on them? Because uh, I built a 22.50 point list, and then was told to bring twenty three hundred points and I gave them sharpness. I know it's expensive, but I really liked it. I mean they are it's so scary on the horde.
1: So the problem is the defense four, right? They even though they got a high nerve value, you know I think the sweet spot, you know, crushing two is gonna grind them out over time.
2: It could. I think the idea behind the sharpness though is at that point you're just trying to one shot everything you come into contact with. You probably can uh being only crushing one is not the greatest when you're doing sharpness typically you want at least two so if you got a warlock behind them that could actually turn out pretty well
3: that's one of those win more items too i think um and what's so I, i think putting magic items on these guys is kind of ignoring the thing that makes them so good and that they're relatively inexpensive for what they do um of course I run regiments when I run these guys, uh, and it looks like that's what y'all are doing too. Uh, I I don't want to put a magic item on a one hundred and forty point unit. I don't. Uh, I'm definitely about
4: the horde. The horde. The the sharpness horde because thirty attacks on threes is really cool,
3: dude. I I would just take crushing. It saves you. I guess it only saves you five points now, but um, yeah, that's what I would do on these guys if I took it.
2: I think if I was doing an item with Berserker Braves, and you guys will notice me saying this the same throughout our whole roster for all these Ogre Hordes, is I don't like paying the extra cost on Ogre units for all the bigger items like, you know, Vicious and Sharpness and Brew Strength, so I'd rather just keep doing the cheaper stuff. So I'd probably even just cap out at having the uh, Brew of Haste or Pathfinder, something like that. And or, or the that's what I wanted to run on if I took a horde to be Pathfinder. But at that point, I should just take Hunters. And that was why I haven't ran a horde yet.
1: Brew of Haste, though, is an interesting concept here because moving them to seven <laughs> plus the D3 wild charge means they hit,
2: you Yeah, know. you're 15 to 17 charge. Yeah, it's a whole nother ball of wax.
3: You could theoretically out outrun uh, basic cav, which would be really cool. Any more on Braves? Make them unlock. Please, <laughs> RC. Seriously. <laughs> These guys need to unlock. They would be amazing if they there unlocked.
2: There should be an ogre-wide special rule that makes it so our regiments unlock, or at least make it so our goblins unlock, because we we could use it. Even though I can see, I think the RC's reasoning behind it is that they didn't want ogres to be able to just take nine
1: characters Nine scoring units, basically. Yeah, nine scoring units. I don't units. think that would be I don't think that's
3: as good as people think it is, but it would be interesting. It'd be an interesting list to deal with. I, I honestly think it was an oversight from the RC. Uh they wanted to stop large infantry regiments from um unlocking in other lists, like uh for instance the tree herders unlocking dragons, and they fixed it this way and then they made it irregular and they just forgot they did both so they they double stopped it and ogres got hit and from what i understand it wasn't play tested a whole lot uh so that's i mean there are some play testers i talked to that literally didn't even realize it happened until it got released and until uh day one of the book i was planning on taking four berserker brave regiments because they would have been amazing if they unlocked Uh, but they don't now so i don't know when when, i don't know when i talk about the unlocking thing but list list building for ogres is very frustrating to me now i like playing with ogres and i've had a lot of success with ogres and i found a list that i like but i almost just want to play that list because i hate building lists now because unlocks are so hard to get (laughs) see i feel like yeah the list building isn't that bad unless
4: you're really trying to play a ton of characters or tons of monsters. And I, I feel like, I feel like it is pretty balanced in the way that it works right now, because if you could take all of these as regiments, like we could really, really break the game. And I, I know you just said that you don't think it's that strong, but I think if you can put out, you know, nine heroes at all on that all score that are hard to get to that are super mobile and nimble, like I feel like that's pretty game breaking. So I'm I'm happy about the way it is personally.
3: So I, I I never did that, um, and I really still don't think it would be very big, because ultimately you have an army with a lot of drops, but they can't do anything individually, so you're still going to have to like double, triple charge things. You might as well just have an uh, Ogre Warrior Horde or Siegebreaker Horde doing something like that at that point. Um, what I normally did in, in second ed, and of course this doesn't even make sense anymore, but I would take two Chariot Regiments, uh, and I know those still unlock in the game, which I'll get to, but... They're so much more expensive now. They don't have the cheapness like they did before, um, and I would just use those two as blockers, uh, kind of the same way that we use Berserker Braves. Or I'd take Berserker Brave regiments and uh, get two more unlocks essentially. So I'd spend uh, one and a half times what I would on a horde to get two unlocks, and that would give me the the extra Boomer Sarge and the extra Flag Guy. And uh, I think that was I think that was where you wanted to be. Uh, anything more than that, and you start sacrificing damage output uh, for what, what would you call that? Uh, you, 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 whatever you get from heroes, I guess, uh,
1: your return on investments diminished at that point. Exactly. That's yeah. my point. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think though we're in two different camps because it sounds like Tyler and I, you know, I, I have not had any problems with unlocks from what I'm fielding. Um, because I'm not taking a ton of monsters. I'm not taking a ton of characters. Um, so I don't Tyler. maybe you want to chime in, but it sounds like Brinley and, uh, uh, Matt, you guys are taking maybe more characters or maybe more red goblins?
2: No, this will be something that I'll probably get to at the end. I haven't had an issue yet really making lists. I've, I've hit the cap and then had to kind of build around it a bit, but I've never felt too constrained. But I also didn't have the hero style that that Matt used
3: before. Right. I definitely play hero style. I don't like the monsters and ogres kill me. I mean, I'm sorry. I I know I just got some people mad there, but I, I, uh, I think they, they have their spot too. They're good little tanks, but I I just don't like them. And I really like the idea of just a lot of single guys running around and, and beating people. And like, I love the fact that our ASB can actually do something. He's not the best fighter in the world, but anyone that's used an ASB knows that the ASB is amazing. And they gave us all these new heroes. And it's like, oh, cool. I'd love to take a list where I could take two of each, but you can't do that oh, so
2: so much good candy that you can't have or you can only have yeah one. <laughs> it's too <laughs> much, that, too much that,
4: candy gets you in an unhealthy spot
1: they're making you think right they're not you just don't get to have it all so that's nice you
2: get to have the trade-off right so i don't think I, it they makes it more fun to play around with lists for me because i want to try some heroes and then next time we will get to try the other ones because uh, i have a feeling once we get down to heroes we're gonna see a pretty big difference between our opinions on which ones are the best that's true.
1: That's true. The army center bears the best. Uh, I don't know. I think I might disagree. There's I, I still love
4: flag guy. Flag, flag guy cool. is the Wait, best, we're, dude. We're getting ahead of ourselves here. boys. We need to get back <laughs> on track.
2: Okay. I'll do the
0: next one here.
2: We're getting to the
1: best unit in the game. Yeah,
2: here we go. Okay. So siege breakers, the one we've all been waiting for. So I'll mainly just cover the differences. What happened to these guys. So uh, their speed now went up to six, which is huge because they can actually keep up with the rest of the army. They still retained the melee 3. Their base defense went up to 5, where before it was 4. They still have the big shield for defense 6 in the front. Uh, So the unit strength, attacks, nerve are all the same as the other ogre hordes. And their points dropped 10 down to 240. The trade-off here is where before we had crushing 3, thunderous 1, we're now just base crushing 2. So basically this unit is now just better warriors
1: you guys discussion about the two-handed warriors is interesting and i needed to run the math on that but i ran the math on regular warriors there is absolutely no reason to ever run a regular warrior when you can take a siege breaker even if it's defense six defense five it doesn't matter the points per damage is better in the siege breakers and you don't have the negative anymore of, of being speed five and your freaking Defense 6 from the front.
2: Yeah, the Defense 6 is pretty big uh, for our units because of the low nerve, but where I will say, Rob, where I think they do come in better mathematically is now there's so many armies out there that have these really cheap Defense 3 hordes. You've got Draugr, various, I don't know, Goblins, Zombies, all stuff like that where if you put in Siege Breakers into them, you're wasting that crushing strength where warriors aren't.
1: To your point, the only time Siege Breakers are mathematically not as good is against Defense 3, where they cost 24 points per point of damage versus 20 points for the Warriors. And th- and that and that's not taking into account the Defense 6, though.
2: So that is where I agree. Like, that was one of the biggest issues I honestly had with Ogres going into 3rd, is how Siege Breakers now conflict with Warriors for the role on the battlefield, whereas before I felt like they each had a unique use. Now it's just I feel like Siege Breakers go into anything, where before you just threw them out, what does the defense six super heavy hammer I have to deal with, right?
4: Right. I mean I I'm all for I'm totally all for Siege Breakers being an awesome unit, they were already pretty awesome, and I think the defense five is just like overkill. Like I I obviously they're, they're shut your so mouth. Good. No, I'm I'm saying that they're they're so <laughs> good that, that I it's like they didn't need that at all. Yeah, know? I would
2: have taken the lower defense if it meant instead having the extra thunderous or something like that something to make uh-huh. them more unique right like here's my defense six cracker
1: and i think right now because we have very limited access to Banechant, aka one <laughs> um it's tough right you, you pretty much got to build in crushing strength two into your list because if you don't what, what's going to kill what's going to crack those defense six units
2: yeah and i played against several different armies i went to a gt with ogres And I went up against someone with Night Stalkers, and I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to win this, because this whole army's Defense 4. My Siege Breakers just mow through that stuff. If I went up against a Defense 6 wall, which I did, I couldn't do anything with my Siege Breakers. They're all wounding on 4s now, so I was just bouncing off. And uh, I really noticed the struggle with that. So now, basically, I think they they have that role kind of taken out, and it's Giants and Mammoths that are the only ones that can really deal with the high defense.
1: And the problem with those we'll get to is they hit on fours, which is very swingy, you know, so.
3: When I looked at Siege Breakers, um, I, I, I really liked them on paper a lot because a lot of times the crushing three and you say crushing four, Brinley, but come on, I can count on one hand the number of times I got thunderous Charge on those guys. But um, it feels so good. I mean, yeah, but more, it is overkill like
1: irrelevant. 99% of the time,
3: right? Totally <laughs> irrelevant. Even when it matters, like most of the time you're returning a charge with Siege Breakers because they're just slow enough to where the cav always And the cav always goes after Siege Breakers. You don't have people send infantry against Siege Breakers because they know what happens when that happens. Uh, the Siege Breakers kill them over two turns and take no wounds. But um, what I really liked about Siege Breakers is that they lost some of that win more, right? Crush 3 wasn't relevant most of the time. Uh, it was really nice when you were finding defense six and defense five units because you just absolutely mowed them down. Uh, I remember the first time I was playing against Jose and I charged into his, um his uh rock elementals, earth elementals. And he was like, ah, they're fine. They just got single charged, which is normally what you would do with the defense six unit. And I pff, killed him. And I mean, like that was a little bit uh, unusual, but not terribly unusual between brutal. And I think they get on average, like 10 wounds, um they were really good but they were kind of win more here they lost uh one of those crushing pieces we don't they lost the thunder that didn't matter and in for it they got cheaper and they got faster and their defense went up so overall i think siege breakers got a huge huge buff i love them uh, i still love them but you take 3 instead of 2 now that's it yeah and
2: i agree it was a big buff overall i i just like having that defined role with each unit, so like, never, no matter yeah, what I, I all my list begin like the, like, yeah. I never I'm took saying, Warriors yeah, just to like the with.
4: risk and reward I like that you had to be really careful of your flanks because they were so squishy and now it's kind of like, eh, I don't really care as much well.
1: Well, and
3: then the speed, right? The speed 5 was yeah. a big deal yeah
1: now it's speed 6
3: yeah. I never took Warriors to begin with, so I can see where y'all are coming from with that and, uh, you know, I'll cede that point but these guys replaced Warriors for me in 2nd ed too, so
1: that's the same thing for me
3: it's just, yes. it was more of an act. It was more of an active choice in second ed. I mean, Rob's absolutely right. In third ed, it's a no brainer.
1: And Mo Gaddafi said, you know, is there any uh, reason to take Warriors when shield breakers are flat out better for the points? I think we've answered that no. question in spades. <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we get into some shooting?
3: Uh, this is my favorite ogre unit in the game. I'm just going to say second, definitely in second ed, even in, even in third ed, I still like him a lot. These are Boomers. Uh, boobers are a short range shooter. I would have said a breath attack user, but, um, that's not a thing anymore. Although they really haven't changed except in, uh, they, they got some passive nerfs, but they didn't get any active nerfs. So they are speed six. Uh, they hit on fours in melee. They have range on a four up and they have a defensive four up. So those are some easy stats to remember. Uh, they match ogre hordes as far as attacks and, um, unit strength, Point-wise, boomers are 230 for a horde, and the untaken regiment is 140. Uh, Special rules, they have brutal and crushing one, just like ogre warriors. And then they have their boom sticks, which are a 12-inch range with pierce one and steady aim, which of course means that they don't take movement penalties for shooting. Uh, The passive nerfs that they took are just the fact that um, there's no such thing as a breath attack anymore so they would be at a negative one for shooting a unit and they would be at a negative one, a, a hero excuse me and they'd be at a negative one um, for shooting into uh, stealthy in addition to cover so those can stack now so uh, they're a little less accurate than they used to be but I still think they're a really great pick what I love about boomers um, is that they are shooters that can take off those Short defense units, I think Brindley was mentioning ago that, you know, there are these great defense three droggers. Well, this is what those are for. Warriors were never for those. Boomers are what those are for. Um, you shoot them off, quick, easy pick. And what's so cool about boomers is that they are actually better in melee than they are shooting. So they're great at shooting. And shooting, of course, gives you the ability to mass fire. So you can have three, four, five things shoot the same target. But when push comes to shove, uh, these aren't like archers or anything like that, or they're not even like, uh, what's the, what's the unit, the, uh, the bissel dwarf units that get to do this. What are those oh, called decimators? Yeah. They're not even like those because decimators have high nerve, but they don't hit back. Boomers are really, really strong in combat. Uh, they're just a little bit worse than warriors because they hit on fours instead of threes, but otherwise they're identical. They get brutal. Uh, so they get that extra free wound every round. um, that's equivalent of a free rune. I love boomers. Boomers are my favorite. Um, in 2nd Ed, I took very boomer-heavy lists. I would either take uh, three boomer sarges and a horde, or two hordes and two boomer sarges, or uh, if it was a really big point game, I'd just go, screw it. I'm taking them all. Two hordes, two two boomer sarges. They're just amazing. I love boomers. I
2: felt that shooting, man. I was on the <laughs> other side of that. Oh, that <laughs> was rough.
3: They're so that good. Was-
2: Oh, man, back when you could, like, play around with cover so much more easily. Yeah. yeah. They're so you good.
4: Yeah, and if, if you guys want to hear us gush, including Jesse gush about them, like, our, our review <laughs> from last year is still the exact same. Everything still applies to boomers, except for the, the weird, stealthy uh, in-cover thing that doesn't happen all that often. So- um, but... I, I think they're still fantastic. They still prevent flyers from flying into your back lines. It's one of our best tools for handling flyers. And in general, yeah they, yeah, they they beat face and they shoot face. It's awesome.
3: And that, that's a good point that you just mentioned there, Tyler. Anyone that says ogres can't deal with flyers doesn't take enough boomers. Take more boomers, your problem will disappear. Um, that's what these guys do. So everyone else has these cute little heroes that they can use to, like, ground people and then set up for charges ogres are just like you know let's not deal with any of that crap why don't we just shoot them out of the damn sky i mean that's all we have to do so that's uh they're so good they create an 18 inch kill zone in any direction um and if you can make sure that your boomers are together uh if you're fighting if you're fighting uh flyers i always make sure they're centralized so they can get that 18 inches in both directions um they will make sure people don't land in the all the bad spots. And if they do land in the spot you don't want them to, um, they'll, they won't they will do that twice. Let's, let's just say that. Yeah, and I, I think mostly it's about the threat projection of,
4: you know, you could fly your dragon back here. We probably aren't going to kill it or anything. But do you really want to take, you know, eight wounds on your way in and then have to worry
3: about all that stuff? It's You're all also, about the threat of doing it, you know? It's a threat of a waiver there, too. If you take eight wounds, you could get waivered. Um, especially those 1517 guys instead of the giant dragons, like the meat shield crazy dragons with the 19, 17, 19 are a little bit harder to take out. But any like moderate flyer, mid mid-range flyer, uh is is risking a waiver uh just from some lucky boomer shots uh or a kill on a really lucky shot, uh, which is not something that anyone wants to do. So um right. and they and can also turn on at the same time. Yeah, I mean, everything about them is great. These are definitely the anti-flyer. Team-
4: Yeah, you start hitting on fours, and then some turns you're going to hit, like, total garbage, but other turns you're going to spike just for, you know, the fact that you hit on fours, and you can really do damage, so I love boomers. They're awesome. Yeah,
1: this is one of the few units in the game, too, that I actually like, because in a dual role, most of the time when I see things that do both shooting and melee, I'm like, yeah, not for me. This is the one time where, yeah, they actually do both fairly well. You can really do some damage, because, you know, people sometimes underestimate them, and maybe, you know... Maybe you get a flank charge with these guys, and they're like, "Wow, well, they're just boomers. Well, <laughs> they're still ogres. Yeah, they hit on fours, but crushing strength one is great. An
2: ironic unit that hits harder in melee than it does when it's shooting. So you go, oh, I'm going to disorder it, whatever. Then they beat the crap out of you with a cannon.
3: Right. They're incredible for that. The only thing that they can't do that normal warriors can is, is take a hit. So once boomers get hit in melee once, like they're probably going to get wavered or killed, uh, but they go in a turn later than everyone else, so it really isn't that big of a deal. Uh, and what's really cool about them is you can march them up with your main line uh, and when it comes time to – because there's always a critical turn where everything needs to charge. And if you brought archers with you, they're just going to have to sit out and take a shot at whatever – didn't manage to get into combat it's normally not just shot you won. boomers are like all right let's do this man let's go in we're coming in with you and they can turn what would have been like an iffy kill to an obvious kill like if siege breakers and boomers go into something i can't think of many units that could take that
1: the only thing i will say about them is uh i used to use them to try to deal with some individuals uh and now that's not it's, it's much harder because you take all the penalties the, all the negatives now so it's uh you know, stealthy may not come into play very much, individual, but it, it all compounds. And so there uh, are going to be situations yeah. where in the past they would work a little better and now they're not.
3: Yeah, before they hit on fives and it was like, eh, it's fine. But now they could hit on sevens if all of that comes in together and it's it's pretty rough.
2: And you're more likely to have to hit on fives too. And that, that's why like, I admittedly haven't actually really used them in third much yet at all because I used to play around with them a lot with cover. And now you can't really do that because you have to have your leader point clearer terrain if you actually want to ignore it for shooting. And so I find more often than not, I'd be hitting on fives. So I don't know. I think they will be handy for, you know, anti-flyer. And then I guess, too, for the listeners out there as well, is keep in mind that if you buy the elite or vicious items, that applies to shooting and combat. So that's something I could see being really fun for both these and the next unit we do as well. Uh, So the next guys are Shooters, which did see a couple changes. So where most ranged units in the game got nerfed, ours actually, in a way, got a bit better. I don't think their cost changed at all, so it's still 30. They're still the same profile as Boomers, except their ranged value is a 5+. And they have heavy crossbows, which range dropped from 36 to 30. Not really a big issue. You're probably still going to be in range anyway. Uh, but we gained pot shot. So now we can actually move and shoot on sixes, which I honestly don't really care. I'd be happy to do that. I think it's half shots. Rob, you might know better than me for that one. It's just
1: minus two. Is it minus one. Yes, you're
2: you're half attacks, but you can still move and shoot. That's a big deal for like, you know, the end of the game when you need to start going towards an objective that's kind of near them. So you can do that and you're shooting a wounded unit or something across the table. You don't care.
0: Yeah, I, would,
1: I would say they're actually playable now because in second edition, you'd only take them if you're just taking a ton of them yeah. because you can't move them. <laughs> so they're sitting there and you, you know, I've seen that where they have like the legions of goblins on front and you stand behind with all the, the shooters and you shoot much like the, uh, the, the, the dwarf guns, right. That also got pot shot. I think they're, they're viable because now if you got this unit dancing around you, yeah, I'm going to turn it. I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. Minus two. But I'm still hitting you with piercing too.
2: Yeah, they're a great counter to a lot of units out there as well, especially like flyers too. If they're trying to get around you. You don't give a crap, and if they hit you, you just beat them in the face again. Same as boomers.
1: But I will say, I still like boomers a lot better. Yeah,
4: I, I still think boomers are way more utility. Um, I personally can't get shooters to work. I just I am not good with war machines or anything mm-hmm. of the sort, and they are way too much like a war machine for me to you know properly use them. Uh, so I still don't like them, but. I could see them being more viable, and especially in the situation that Brinley just said with the uh, late game, just getting a couple plinks while you move towards something important. Because, you know, half shots, hitting on sixes, like you're going to get like three
3: hits. Three Not even. No, you're, yeah. you're overestimating. It's and one and a half. half. One and a half hits. Yeah.
2: Well, that's yeah. all you need for so, piercing
3: too, right? Uh, no, no, that's that's actually incorrect.
2: lies. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to Matt.
3: I I hate these guys still. I've always hated shooters. Uh, I still hate them. And I I am like the biggest anti-pot shot guy that exists. So, I mean, take that with a grain of salt. I think pot shot is a trap rule. uh, And the fact that suddenly you can hit once, uh, one and a half times. I always round down in situations like that because I always prefer to be pleasantly surprised than disappointed. Uh, So, you get one hit with these guys when they move. Whoop-de-doo. I mean, I I can – I can imagine, you know, a, a you know, lowell shot on turn six, LOL shot where, you know, you, you take off the one guy that's wounded and yes, it worked out great, but it's super situational in general. These guys are the same. They're just a little bit cheaper and they're still garbage compared to boomers, which is really sad because I really like the way
4: the, the heavy crossbows look on like the models. I love the models. And yeah, I just can't get them to work.
3: If they just didn't have Reload, if that was it. I mean, of course, they don't now. They have pod shot. If that was gone, I think they'd be cool. Because then they'd be hitting on sixes if they moved. And that would get be three hits. And they could still think about moving. I did make a shooter list once that relied on shooters. And um I guess it would be Goblin Slashers now. It was Mammoths back in the day when they could take the Ballista. And I like them as like... I like them as the gun line. The problem is if you ever need to move and pivot, like deployment's really, really important. Uh, But I did make a list where I had uh, two Warlocks, uh, two Ballistas, and then two Shooter Hordes. And that was terrifying because it was suddenly Lightning Bolt 14. um, And and now you can get Lightning Bolt 17, uh, which we'll get to when we get to Warlocks. But, um, you know, that plus the Ballista shots, plus the Shooter shots made you come to me. And unlike most Gunlines... When you do get there, I'm still an ogre and I will just charge you. I mean, that's what I'm going to do. So um, that was pretty cool. I liked that list, but it, it just the problem with it is you couldn't pivot. And when you couldn't pivot, you couldn't get what you needed. If something like a flyer comes in.
1: Let's talk chariots.
3: Yes. Okay. Chariots are my new favorite unit they got four profiles three of which are really really good in my opinion so you have troops that's a new one you didn't have troops before uh it's a square which is kind of a unique base size uh they're i guess are they 100 by 100 is that it i think they're 100 yeah. by 100 yeah that's right too wide so yeah 100 by
2: 100. it's such a weird base size only the it's, austin kerrigan knows how to use that base size
3: it's really fun that's funny um, so the US-1 attacks 10, 13, 15, 170 So this is kind of what the old regiment used to be like Except it got nerfed a little But it got a unique base size that allows it to corkscrew Which is interesting uh, Regiments uh, are only regiments in name and size They have changed drastically from before Uh, They are now unit strength 2, attacks 15 at 1517, just like warrior hordes, and they're 215 points. So they cost a lot more, but they have a lot more punch than they had before. Um, I forgot to mention, all of these are thunderous charge 1, crushing 1, melee 3, defense 5, speed 8. So just like version 2 in that regard.
1: Thunder 2, crush 1? Thunder 2, crush
3: crush 1. I I, I meant to say it that way. I I might have said it the wrong way. Thunder 2, crush 1, brutal. Um, Hordes are new. Uh, they are four wide, one deep, so that would be 200 by 100. Um, their unit strength three, 20 attacks, 17, 19, and 270 points. So this is kind of not the same profile, but kind of close to what the old uh, horde used to be. And then legion is just new. It's 25 attacks, four unit strength, 20, 22 nerve, so very high nerve, and 310 points. Uh, which I think is fine. What I really like these guys for now is they're the only option you have to get high nerve in the ogre army.
2: Um, Which is unfortunate, but very
3: true. Yeah. I use these guys as just beat sticks. I take two hordes and I would consider a legion. I used hordes back in the day, so I'm not, it's a hard base size to get used to and you definitely need a lot of practice games in, but if you know what you're doing, uh, the legion I think could be really good too, but I use two hordes to get that 17, 19 nerve and they can take a hit. They reliably can take a hit, which I really like about that with an ogre warrior, Uh, Or Siege Breakers, if something can bypass its crushing, its defense with crushing, um, it's kind of, you get in these iffy spots. Like, I might waver. That's just something that happens as an Ogre player. Get used to waivers. It happens a lot. These guys don't get wavered as often, so they get generally two turns of Reliable Combat in before, assuming they get the first charge, uh, two turns of Reliable Combat in which I think is just, I cannot express how important that is in an ogre army. So these guys, I don't think look really that exciting. Um, They look fine. I mean, but I don't think someone would ever look at these and think this is the new anvil for ogres. And of course, ogres don't have any traditional anvils. We're all about smashy. So um, obviously they're, they're not, they're much more smashy than a normal anvil, but um, these are, these are the center point. This is what I think is the new way to make ogres uh, viable in a, in a line.
1: I'm almost wondering if they are replacing the old Siegebreaker. Yeah, role. Maybe because, so. I mean, they do have Thunderous two and crushing one. The trick though, is it with only speed eight, you got to go first, right? And, and then you're not always going to get to go first. And you, you are going to lose your thunderous charge. It's a great unit, but it's, it's like you said, it's going to have, you have to learn how to use it. Well, you
3: gotta, you gotta take a lot of chaff and I'll, I'll show you that in my list when we get to that. Yeah, I was going to say,
2: Matt's probably going to cover this, but I could see these guys excelling when you're doing a trade war. And so they throw chaff into you and you, spend one turn killing said chaff but you're tying up their hammers while you do it so you get that thunderous again on the following turn when they don't have anything else they can tie you up with and that's when they're going to pay for it and even if they do take away your thunderous these guys still hit like a truck they're still harder hitting than a warrior horde right so that's a pretty big deal
3: yeah the the horde can kill most things but it's a scary hit if it gets the charge Um, And the Legion doesn't even need it. The Legion's just a beat stick. It it destroys almost everything. Anything that's not like a dedicated anvil, a tar pit unit, or something that just has a butt ton of nerve. But I'm talking like, I would say 85% of units the Legion can one-shot with no help.
2: Yeah. And we had that comment earlier too about putting sharpness on a Warrior Legion, whereas I think the Warrior Chariot Legion would almost be a similar question because it's still quite a bit cheaper. You're still going to one-shot anything in the game if you do it. (laughs) Yeah. But I I don't know. If you're taking a Legion, I'm taking Pathfinder, I think, automatically.
3: Sharpness, I think, is okay on Chariots. Um, It's one of those things that I consider if I have an awkward amount of points, I don't know what to do within the list. It's not something I ever take them auto with. Um, But it basically replaces Pathfinder. It's the rich man's Pathfinder. So you come in, um, obviously, if you're hindered, you're essentially not hindered because you're at plus one, minus one, so it evens out. But what I really like about it is that if you happen to get an open hit, suddenly you're hitting on two, so it's still doing something. Whereas a Pathfinder unit that does that on an open hit, it's wasting its magic item, essentially. And
4: I think one of the things that catches, you guys mentioned this a little bit with the anvil uh, sense of it, but I feel like a lot of people see chariots and they expect them to be defense four, and it's usually a unpleasant surprise for your opponent to find out they are defense five so like they are pretty tanky and yeah like you said they they hit really hard to me personally i think that the regiment is my goldilocks zone for what i'm looking for Yeah, me too i like the speed of it i think the price point is good because i i don't really know if it's worth the huge jump from 215 to 270 from the regiment to the horde i think that's really expensive but i haven't tried it so I, i understand if if people like uh, the other builds, but to me, I, when I look at the the stat profile, I see the regiment and think that's the best bang for your buck. I and think that's a the,
3: that's a great point, best. Tyler. The regiment is great too. So I, I've been talking up the hordes and legions a lot. Um, I think the regiment has a different role than the hordes and legions do. So yeah, as as just like a cab smasher. Uh, like basically just a, a cav unit, especially because it got such a smaller profile than the old horde did, which would have filled the same role in V2. Um, the regiment's great and it's very strong and it hits hard. Uh, it lost two, three attacks to a normal warrior unit, but it gains thunder too. So, like, that's a really big deal. Um, the horde and the legion is more like a a blocker get in your face stick around brawler unit whereas the regiment still have that same waiver problem uh but that doesn't mean that's a problem that's all across the ogre army so that's not a problem right. it's, 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 a, it's 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 something kind of we have to deal with again yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. well like, so in, in for the my units. list it's gonna be
4: really fast stuff and this fits right into that um using it as like that fast thing less of the anvil, you know, punch back kind of thing. So yeah. it's all it, it all depends great. how you're taking it. But I I think they're all pretty viable um uh, options. I just don't
3: The troops the only bad
4: Yeah, the troop troop is a little weird. I mean, the, I do like the idea that it could corkscrew, that's kind of fun, but it's just it doesn't take hits very well and most of the time when you want to corkscrew it's after you take a hit. So
3: I loved the troop in V2. So in V2, it was a regiment, so it unlocked something. It cost the exact same amount of points, and it had two extra attacks. So the troop just got an overall nerf, other than the fact that it has this kind of weird thing where it can corkscrew. Um, I think it's horrible if it yeah, doesn't unlock. If it doesn't yeah, it's, unlock, it's horrible. Yeah.
2: The only way I'd ever take the troop is if it were 20 points cheaper, uh, as it is. I don't, Regiment and Horde, I think, are the only two options i'd probably ever go with and the same reasons you already talked about like you compare the regiment to any kind of cavalry unit in terms of damage and you out damage them pretty reliably which is great really for i don't know five points over order of the brotherhood right so it's a fantastic unit
4: and i know we mentioned a couple uh items but what items do you guys kind of lean towards i i personally um I think speedy items are still a pretty dang good choice. And then obviously, like, Striding and Pathfinder are the obvious choices to me. But I'm curious if you guys have any other uh, opinions on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, with Thunderous Charge, you got to keep it, right? So right.
2: I think I'd always just be, assuming I take two chariot units every single time, it's Jesse's gift to Ogre Kind, aka Boots of Striding, or the Pathfinder, and that's it. Maybe five-point items, but...
3: Uh, I would consider, in addition to Strider, which is the best new magic item that ever existed and never needs to go away, and I would pay double for. um, Other than that, uh, Sharpness, I've already mentioned, I think is a possibility. If you have the extra points, I would not start on Sharpness, because I think it's it's overkill unless you just have ten extra points in your list you don't know what to do with.
2: I could see Elite being... OK, too, even on the regiment, because at that point you're getting around 12 hits, crushing three, which is pretty, pretty
1: good. Well, what about these boomer chariots? That everybody loves.
4: <laughs> all right. Moving on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so boomer chariots are, you know, they're also speed eight. They move uh, as quickly as normal chariots. They are fours across the board. So uh, melee range and defense are all four. Um, I still don't like them, and I don't think you guys are going to like them either. They're
2: 180
3: uh, points. Uh,
2: we could just... I Man, I, yeah. I don't even know what I could say that's possibly good about these. They're so bad.
3: <laughs> they're horrible. Yeah.
2: You could they're... cut 40 points off the regiment. I still would not take it, man.
3: <laughs> I would they take just... it at 140. Especially yeah. especially yeah. because it would unlock at that point. So, True. Um, it
2: would unlock. It would be like... It's still low nerve even at 140, but at least then you're doing some decent damage. They're, they're like 180 just so much points, man, serious. that's...
4: So oh. much worse than chariots and so much worse than boomers. No, nah, boomer like, chariots are combined service. into a terrible
3: soup. terrible.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, they're irregular. I forgot yeah, about yeah. that. Never mind. Yeah. They don't unlock. I lied. No, they oh, don't. God, they're so worse. bad,
0: dude.
1: Well, that's a great comment to talk about some uh, red goblins. All of our red goblins now are irregular. Stamped. They were before, weren't they? They, Just...
2: they were before.
1: Trust me. If they, if they unlocked,
3: I would have been abusing the ever-living crap out of that.
2: <laughs> yeah. But just seeing that other factions got units like Draugr or Zombies, you know, just the really cheap crap they can throw out there that are regular and unlocking for these factions that even don't struggle that much for unlocks. And then Ogres are pretty, uh, I don't know, tied on it. Which, I mean, I don't know, we won't get too much into that. But I find it hard to really take a lot of Red Goblins at all I could see some people wanting to base a list around them. Uh, but I don't know. Like the rabble, I I think they're okay. I could maybe take a horde or a regiment just for grabbing objectives or acting as chaff. They still have the same issues they had before. Uh, you know, like just they can get wavered and stick up your whole battle line. They're slower than your ogres. Whereas before, uh, since red goblins are speed five, I could, you know, keep them in front of my siege breakers, right? Same speed and worked out but what do you think matt
3: they're best with um boomers i think uh so you mentioned they can definitely clog up your line if they get wavered so on a goblin list that's not a bad thing but in a ogre list it is so they already do worse um in ogres i think than goblins uh but with boomers at least you can take them and you can put a regiment on both sides with a boomer moving up and suddenly the boomer horde doesn't have to worry about getting charged uh, and if it gets if it gets held up, it just shoots. I mean, it's fine. Um, so I, I do like them like that. I also like them as quick little objective grabbers because we don't – if we were hurting for that, that would be one thing. But most people play pretty hero-heavy ogres, and that's not something we're hurting for. Uh, so they're not good at that role either just because the army already excels at that. Uh, so I, I don't think they hold a great spot. I have taken hordes of spitters before. Um Hordes of spitters are, are a lot worse now because they're twenty extra points and do exactly the same thing. Uh, so I don't know if I'd ever look at that again. Uh, but I did like I did like a horde of spitters. But as the rabble goes, um, I think you'd really have to build a list around it. I still have always said this would be a really strong list if you took four hordes of rabble or sharpsticks, um, and then like four hordes of boomers behind them. I don't think I could like look at someone in the eye if I ran that list. So I haven't yeah, ever done filtered. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, I think, the only way that Rabble would be good. So Yeah,
4: I've, I've said it once and I'll say it again. I just don't believe in goblins. I kind of like the fact that they're not very good in our list because I feel like ogres should have ogres in them and not like just a ton of goblins. Because um, I don't come to play the ogre army list for all the cheap crap. I come to play with you know siege breakers and boomers and all the fun stuff. Um, so I'll probably be pretty quiet on this whole goblin discussion just because I, I don't believe in goblins and I never will. but uh, I understand that some of their utility, especially for objective grabbing and stuff, but it's just not my thing at all.
2: I so far in the list I've tried, generally I'll run a regiment of rabble and I basically do this and Matt saw me use this too is I kind of have an interspersed deployment. So at that point, I can have the rabble sit a little bit ahead of my ogre hordes and kind of force them to be funneled into my my hordes and not get double charges off. Because I don't know if there's seventy five points, they're okay for that. And I had red goblin spitters before, as you know, like that cheap backfield objective holder that can kind of do some damage, but a warlock can almost do the same thing. So I I don't know they're they're okay. I I haven't seen anyone. With you know like these really competitive lists yet yeah, running red goblins, I'm hoping it could become a thing in the future. But
3: I will say, um, red goblins and goblin blasters are good friends too. Um, if you run rabble right, and it's kind of hard to explain without showing you, but if you run rabble right, you can almost make them a guaranteed flank delivery system for the uh, blaster, um, and that could be useful, but again, I think it's stronger with goblins.
4: And before we move on from the the red goblins, I just want to point out on page two ninety seven, which is what they are on in the in the big main rule book, there's a just great picture of an ogre Yelling at a, a goblin spitter to hit his target, and he's got like a bunch of arrows in his back, and I, it just makes me yeah. smile. I <laughs> absolutely love that piece of artwork. <laughs> like, so if you don't, if you have the giant book, make sure you check out that piece of art because it's hilarious. I love it.
2: That book alone, man, I d- I could rant about how amazing it is for a while, so I won't. But
1: <laughs> we ready to move on to red goblin scouts? Yeah, I mean, I love these guys. Uh, I've loved them in second edition. I love them in third edition. I mean, I always run them as a troop. I mean, hundred points for you know speed ten is great. I mean, it's fast, mobile, they're nimble. Thunders charge one, um, and now they have vicious, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. I always probably run two troops of these guys, and um, they're great screeners too because obviously with height three, uh, it's the same height as our our ogres, and so you can really screen shots against the units if you choose. And uh, but I, the nimble stuff is great. You can really get them out there. Speed ten. You can throw a brew of haste on them if you want to, and you can really reach out. And so people think they have their dragon somewhere where you can't reach them. Yeah, you might be able to put a wound on them. Clip his wings for a turn. How do you guys run the scouts?
3: Uh, scouts are chaff for me, but they're great, Jeff. Um, the only thing, I, vicious was fine. I'm not. I mean, they didn't go up in points, so I don't care that we got vicious. It's great. I'm not arguing about that at all. The only thing that I would have wanted to see from them is a point drop. And I would have I would have paid for attacks. Like I would have been fine with five attacks and a points drop. Um, because they're dedicated screeners. But if anyone doesn't think ogres have flyers, I tell them to look at this unit. It's amazing, it's great. They're basically gargoyles, and uh, I think we all know how much everyone loves gargoyles.
2: So my issue there in comparison to gargoyles, which I was considering doing there, is yeah, they're speed ten, but the problem I had with them before, same as second ed is the nine eleven nerve. Which for a hundred points, they're doing the same as gargoyles or beast packs or what have you, anyway, because they're pretty much getting wavered or dead to one shot, and that's why, like, typically, if I'm paying that points, I'd rather have something more resilient, like, you know, I don't know, even an ogre regiment. So I haven't used them that much yet. I was going to try out one troop, you know, just to have a chaff that you can basically put anywhere on the board as long as you're avoiding terrain. Uh, how about you, Tyler?
4: um i don't believe in goblins but if i were these are the ones i would take i i really like the idea of them as chaff and for all the reasons you guys said nimble's still just so so wonderful um so yeah i definitely like them they don't make it to my list even though they probably make sense to make it into my list but i'm stubborn and uh, annoying in that way i guess
3: i think that's why you're having problems in tournaments tyler just gonna say it hey hey <laughs> to be <laughs> fair to be fair <laughs>
4: To be fair, I've only run Ogres in my first tournament ever. <laughs> All the other ones I've played other uh, armies, so.
1: What about the Sniffs? I mean, they're five points more, and they're, they they do hit they do on range for five plus, but their defense drops to three. So yeah, I don't like Sniffs.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't either, because.
1: That's just five more points I'm giving away to the enemy. Five points more
2: you're giving away your lower defense, because they're only defense three, so you're even more likely to die to one shot, and any other chaff in the game can beat them in combat because you're you're melee four with no thunderous and yep. sure you've got bows with steady aim but seven shots on five so you're not gonna you're not gonna do anything right so yeah I'd, it, I'd rather stick with the scouts.
3: Scouts can still handle a little bit of light fire sometimes um, They can't handle much obviously if like an archer regiment shoots at them they're dead but um, if you know a hero with lightning bolt three takes a shot at them, they might be fine. Um, in fact, they just ate a shot for you. Thank you. You're doing double work now. Um, but I don't think the sniffs could take that. That, that drop in defense um, basically says these guys are going to die the first time they're touched, which um, since we're already basically saying that anyway, I wouldn't do – I wouldn't pay five extra points for it to be more likely. It's just – it's not doing – it's not adding anything to the unit having seven shots that don't do anything
1: well brinley let's talk about red goblin blaster
3: oh yeah man so
2: this is the unit more than any other that when i saw the rules come out i had to like sit and think about it if i was happy with it or not uh (laughs) i think in the end it it worked out to a buff but it just has a very different role so the red goblin blaster is now still speed five Uh, It's got two profiles, so it actually has melee and range that have completely separate rules. So for melee, hits on threes, has three attacks, with blast D6, brutal, and crushing three. So if you charge into someone, you can still get, you know, like you're rolling your blast, you're going to see how much you do, and then you blow up at the end of that turn. Great, it's hilarious, whatever. Uh, Big thing of note when you blow up now, you don't actually hit units around you anymore. It's only the unit you're in combat with.
0: So there's no
2: rolling, yeah, there's no blowing up your own lines and just devastating your units, which happened to me at Masters. It was not a good time. But the big thing about this is it has this base attack profile. It's not an individual, so you can actually flank a rear charge with this thing. I've done it. I've gotten 21 attacks with crushing 3 or 21 hits, and it's hilarious. They're still pretty resilient, with defense five and a nerve of dash 10 so if someone's shooting it you don't care your 65 points but the new thing that threw me off and i'm happy to see even though i've never gotten any good use out of it is it has a ranged attack so you've got your three shots your ranged ability is five so if you move you're always hitting on sixes so chances are you're not going to hit if you do it's blasty three piercing one with range 12 so maybe you can force someone to come at you uh you can try to do a wound and see what happens. I I've always missed, but I've had blasters reliably take out big units. Matt's been on the receiving end of that, and it's hilarious. And uh, by far, now these are, in my opinion, my favorite chaff unit for ogres.
4: I like yeah, that. I I think that they they did a lot of interesting things with this unit because. Now you can play totally different from how the old Red Goblin used to play because the old Red Goblin Blaster you could just throw on a flank and stop like 600 points of werewolves because they were terrified of this 65-point monster. That doesn't really work anymore. But now that you can have it next to your lines, what I've found as my favorite way to play it is this. The way everybody talked about how they use the mammoth as chaff and how they block flanks of their own guys with the mammoth because of the base size, you can do that now for 65 points. And it's a really cool flyer defense, in my opinion, because you can have it kind of move up along the flanks of your guys. And then when that dragon turns, now he's not looking at your siege breakers and your boomers and whatnot. He's staring at a 65 point blaster model while you get everything else ready and get prepared for it. So I think that the fact that you can actually put it next to your guys in your line has completely changed the way this this unit works. And I I'm all for it. I've I've had a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it's no longer a liability.
4: Yeah, exactly. And and you really, as hilarious as it used to be, uh, it was such a, a liability that you couldn't have it even close to your guys because it could just completely wipe them off the table. Whereas now, you can you can actually play some defense with it, and then if you do get that flank, like you said, it can totally decimate some really scary things. So and that's the I, thing, I like right? it a lot.
0: Yeah, if
2: your opponent ignores it then you get to hit them. And sure, you lose the unit after you attack, but if you put this unit in combat alongside any of your other units in a combo charge, chances are you're killing whatever you hit. And so you have Siege Breakers plus Blaster hit whatever horde they have, chances are you're going to kill it. And that's fantastic value at that point. And I've often just used these guys for taking objectives. My opponent doesn't want to come near it. Sure, whatever, I'll have him chill somewhere. He's... I think, the cheapest unit in our entire roster, so why not, right?
4: And then, you know, if somebody does decide to shoot at it, great. They're not shooting at something that actually matters, you know? It's it's still nice in that sense, and it, they won't blow up in your face, which is
3: so yeah. great. And I'm still not used Fearless
2: to it. Fearless is fantastic for that, because yeah. you don't really care if they shoot. You're not going to slow up your line. doesn't matter.
3: I'll, that's good. One thing I will say is that no one's scared of this unit anymore in Melee, uh, because it's slow. So what we used to use it for was a screening kind of unit and made sure people didn't want to get near it. Now they're not scared to charge it. So uh, that's something to, to be aware of at least when you're using it. Uh, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's because of the new versatility. It's it's not scary anymore unless it charges you. Um, so that's something to always be aware when you're using it. It's better behind something now so that um, so that it can't be charged and then you can get it. I haven't ever gotten to use this successfully I'll say, but I like the concept of it. I, I kind of lamented the loss of the old one just because I like quirky units. It's not because I thought it was good. It was good in it and it's it was extremely situational and it was amazing if they had zero shooting. Yeah. Um if but I mean you don't fight many lists like that so it's not something you can prepare for. Um I, I, I like this. I haven't gotten to use it well. The best ways that I've used this so far has been a deterrent. Um. So the the times that I've used it the best, I didn't get to play with it, but they didn't come over because they were scared of getting flanked. And you can set up cute little ways to position your units to where you can guarantee a flank if they don't kill your unit. And then you can give them kind of an iffy charge that they're just not willing to risk. And it, that's where I think this unit excels.
1: Well, let's jump in and talk about the Mammoth. Speed 7, Malay 4+, Defense 5. Uh, Still has 12 attacks, dash 18, 220 points. It's Brutal, Crushing 2, Strider, and Thunderous Charge 2. The only thing Uh,
3: that changed really is that it um, lost its Ballista.
1: Right, right, okay.
2: Oh, right, I didn't even notice that.
1: You know, this is kind of, for me, fills that, because we don't, what you're going to hear in a minute, is we don't have the Small Giant anymore, so this kind of fills that role. 220 points for 12 attacks hitting on fours. If you're looking for an offensive juggernaut, This is not it. However, if you need just three or four wounds on something that's, you know, defense six, this could be the guy that that could do it for you. And and, uh, what you said, Tyler, I have always been a big fan. If you do have this guy, because he's dash 18, I'm totally fine with using him and using that really long flank as a way to block line of sight to some stuff. So uh, he's an expensive piece of chaff, but I have been known to use that, Effectively from time to time. Do you guys run the mammoth at all?
3: I used to. Um, I, I ran it right when um, the colossal giant came out in V2. Um, I have two really cool models for mammoths. They're stone tusks that I've managed to get on uh, chariot bases. And I really enjoy running them. Um, the main problem. And I think, I think we can almost cover all of the monsters together because they're so similar. Uh, the mammoth yeah. and the giant are only five points off from each other. The goblin slasher is only 10 points uh, cheaper. I mean, like, we have three monsters, but do we? It's kind of how I feel. I mean, I feel probably, about a lot would of you base. say
1: you're mostly going to be using the giant now? Is that the plan? The giant's better. Yeah. I mean, the, the base
3: size is way better. <laughs> um, obviously, a chariot base can be situationally better, especially in the blocking way that y'all have uh, put in, but normally it's a liability. I don't know if you ever charge two mammoths into something at the same time, but um, after you do that, it is almost impossible to correct things. It might be a little easier now that you can sidestep um, as a as a reaction, but before you couldn't do that, and it was just a nightmare to try to get them off. You never charge oh, them. Oh, right. At the same you wouldn't time. be able to pivot anywhere afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. By
4: the way, I just. Just throwing this out there, I think that is one of the biggest changes from version three that nobody talks about. The fact Side that step. you can sidestep D3 after a charge is massive. Yeah, like it's a big that deal. you can actually do multi-charges and not just completely screw yourself the next turn. That you can actually kind of, you know, rearrange. It's it's amazing. Um but that's that's my little soapbox. In terms of monsters, I think it really just depends on what models you like or have, and uh, you just go from there because they all have really cool modeling opportunities, and then you can kind of pick and choose from there. So if you have an awesome mammoth, run the mammoth, because it's not all that much different from a giant, which if you have a giant, you run that, and if you don't have that and you really like the goblin slasher model, because it's awesome, uh, run that. So I, I really think it's it's kind of pick your flavor of model before you really care about the stat line, because they are really similar.
1: That's fair. I will say the mammoth is is the one of the three monsters that are that are actually that's fearless. So that is something, right? That you can't you can't stop them. But the other ones have fury. Fury giant and-, and
2: the mammoth in particular are too similar. So I would always take the giant. And I, I like Matt have a thunder test model that I was originally planning to be maybe a mammoth, but I think I would rather use it as a red goblin slasher, um, because the slasher I find is is the most unique of the three like it actually stands out for having a range profile even then it's kind of too slow like assuming you're shooting every turn you're only moving speed seven right whereas the other rest of your army's moving 10 to 12 hopefully and the the giant you know is just he's gonna be so fast and stick in anywhere he wants he's got two points higher nerve which is a big deal compared to the mammoth as well as that square base i i feel like in terms of what our list needs the most and that's what the giant fills with the base crushing for when you're grinding you can actually throw them into a defense six unit like you see dwarven bulwarkers or placoderms or something across the table you're throwing a giant into that
3: i want the rc eventually to change this um, and make mammoths and slashers and giants different i don't really even care what they do to them just make them different uh i like the way they're going with the slasher it's more of a shooting thing i almost want to see it maybe go more shooting and less melee so it has melee opportunities but it's better as a shooter uh, maybe make the mammoth faster than the giant so that it has a different point i don't care what they do with the points i don't care what they do with the attacks i just want them to be different monsters
2: yeah i think the, yeah. the mammoth would make sense to be faster like speed eight or something or If we're crushing one, thunderous three, or just, I don't know, something different, right? Like, fearless for two less nerve isn't enough of a change to make it unique,
4: right? And that's not to say that any of these are bad. Like, they're all good options. They're just, you know, really similar, and they all fight for the same spots. Correct.
1: Well, let's talk about, uh, Blake Robertson asks, you know, he loves the slasher model. You know, how's the best way to use the Red Goblin slasher? I don't have any experience with that, so you guys want to chime in? I've used
3: the Mammoth before, um, which is in V2. I haven't used the Red Goblin Slasher yet. Um, I do like that it is a Titan model, uh, which means that it's better at fighting than uh, the Mammoth. It's just because it doesn't have that awkward chariot base. But uh, really, I mean, you just push forward. At least this is what I did when it was a a Mammoth and the Mammoths had ballistas. You just push forward and threaten. Um, You take those blast shots. uh, You get them or you don't. Uh, Generally, I would put them into targets that it could potentially kill rather than something that you just get a couple wounds on. Um, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't, and you push for those flanks, because it's actually, I mean, it, it'd be pretty pretty decent in a flank. And the one thing that's different about the Slasher is it's melee 3-up, as opposed to 4-up, as the other two are.
2: Yeah,
1: and it's got less attacks at 8 than, say, the Mammoth at 12, but the fact you're hitting on 3s, you know, and, and it only has crushing 2.
2: Yeah, it's not bad, like... I I could see it being best used. Like Matt said, I would stick it on a flank, uh, because with range 36, you're never going to be out of range of anything. Uh, You could kind of use it to take pot shots at war machines, if you want, or a caster hiding behind, although then you're hitting on sixes. Uh, But I could see it working well with boomers, because in the same way boomers can turn around and shoot a flyer, so can the slasher. And it also projects a wider threat range, too, with 14 inches around that, right? So if you had this sitting around your flank, you could basically deter a dragon. I think because it could also take the hit. Sixteen eighteen is not going to die in one shot to a dragon.
3: And hitting on sixes isn't as big of a deal when they're blast hits. Um, One, when you're taking two shots, you're, I mean, you're getting lucky anyway, right? When you take the shot. Um, But you're fishing sixes, no big deal, and it's height like five or something like that. So I mean, it's height six. It's a titan. Right. It's not going to have those cover penalties unless they're in a forest. And, you know, you get you get one hit with a six, suddenly it's three hits. It's not as big of a deal that uh, you're fishing sixes. And you're looking for lucky shots to begin with. So if you don't hit, eh, you weren't expecting to.
4: Yeah, I played against uh, Tim Lonis at Bug Eater, and he had some red goblin slashers in his goblin list. And uh, he ran them in, I think it was either pairs or he took three of them. And, I mean, he put them on out on a plank, and they were really hard to deal with because it's so much nerve you know on a corner and then they do hit on the threes and so it's definitely i think the way to do it is definitely put them on a flank and don't rely too heavily on the shooting but just more rely on the fact that they hit on threes and crush pretty well
1: it's so weird that they hit on threes in malay right when it's more really designed to be a walking bolt thrower right so it's weird to me it's kind of an enigma and i definitely want to get mine painted up so i can try it out oh it's amazing i yeah it's because the
2: model is badass, so rule of cool dictates it hits. Yeah,
1: exactly. on exactly. That's the reason I was
2: gonna use this monster if anything yeah, is because I want the slasher model. That's that's
3: it. I'll find a way to make it work.
4: I don't know. He's he's got a lot of teeth. I think I think a lot of teeth equates to uh hitting on threes. Pretty sure. I could see that.
3: I think you would I think you, it would fit ogres better if it was better at being a walking battle platform since that's what it does. Uh, Since that was what at least separates it from the other two, but uh, the model is, is gorgeous and it would be weird if it didn't do well in melee after looking at it.
1: Well, we've touched on the giant a few times. It's speed seven, melee four, defense five. It's got D6 plus eight attacks, 18s, 20 nerve, 225 points. Crushing Strength 4, Brutal, Fury, and Strider. Uh, Jesse Driver wants to know, you know, how do you use the Giant properly? He says he's lost him a few times early in the game. Uh, Should I deploy him behind a unit and go for a double charge? I've messed up and gotten in a jam trying that. What uh, works well for this from from this guy? For me, I just usually use him as the guy that I throw into a unit to tie him up for a turn while his buddies are, you know, because he's a little bit faster than everybody else.
3: He's an anvil through and through for me. Um, I really like putting him in between two, um, either in between Siege Breakers or on one side of Siege Breakers. Um, the problem that he can get into is that he didn't want to get double charged, but he can pretty much take a single charge from anything. He doesn't care. And he's he used to be fearless, but he has fury now, so he's essentially fearless. Um, he's he's an anvil. That's what he is, and he's an anvil that uniquely can murder things. Um, he was better when he had vicious versus infantry. I really liked him in yeah, infantry hordes. Oh yeah. man, it was so good because he'd just chill there for like three turns and absolutely destroy it by the end of it. Well, it was uh, so thematic too. I really liked just the stomping on defense six hordes. Yep, yeah. Don't give a crap. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but even even without that, he's still just uh, – he's an anvil. Don't ever think of this guy as a hammer. The only time he's ever useful is a hammer is he can help. Someone can open something if it's a high defense unit that you're having trouble with. But unless you have like earth elementals on the field um, – I'm trying to think of other defense six units. I mean mirror match, siege breakers. Unless you have something like that, just think of this guy as an anvil and don't really expect a lot from him as far as damage and you'll be happy. Because that way when he does get really lucky and rolls a six and then rolls well on his hits, um, you're just pleasantly surprised. And I I do
4: think that – yeah, obviously he is way more – um y especially if you compare it to the Colossal Giant of last edition. Basically, they just melded the two giants into one giant profile. But if you do run multiples of the giant, like if you have two giants, then all of a sudden they can be hammer and anvil because those variable attacks get significantly better when you throw in a lot more into the mix. So um, if you only have the one giant, I would recommend at least trying out with two um, and just kind of running them as like the Bash Brothers and expect them to be mostly anvil, but then when time comes, if one of them gets charged, the other one can charge the other stuff. And you can do some cool flanky kind of things when you pair them up. So I would recommend pairing up monsters in general.
3: That's that's interesting because I've taken two as well, but I always put them on both sides of the flanks so that I always have something that can tie something up. I always just – I rely on hammers to hammer um, I can see where you're coming from and I have double charged with, uh, giants before and been excited, but I would just prefer them to be on two things that I don't want to deal with because they're really good at tying stuff up.
2: So for me, this is a unit that unlike Matt, I do actually kind of consider this guy a hammer in the right circumstance. Uh, I'd probably only run to one, one with ogres, uh, because I just like having that crushing force somewhere on my list and I actually treat it almost like you maybe would with chariots, but I just treat it like an ogre horde that has strider. So, if I'm getting charged, I only want one unit to be doing it, something I can handle, so I'm not just going to walk up and let soul reavers hit me, uh, unless I know they're going to be hindered or something, like cavalry going over a wall, so I'll just sit them behind a wall and let you hit me. If you don't, I'm now projecting a 14-inch charge anywhere I want, I don't care, and... 1820 will survive pretty much anything you've got furious so you don't have to stress about being wavered and i think he's great for that uh he can grind out still really well like he used to with the high defense infantry or cavalry as long as you just don't take too much damage on that first charge and i don't i don't know i like it i don't always take it because i find it hard to fit into the list
3: but he's good <laughs> And uh, just to iterate on that point, you you alluded to it, but you didn't say it directly. Um, The reason he's so good behind Walls is because he has Strider, so he doesn't care. He's not hindered himself.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I might have forgotten that. But yeah, it's basically the fact you have Strider just means you can force them to come to you with a charge that isn't very efficient and so that you can take advantage of that. Because other than that, the only way we really get Strider in this list is from our monsters, so I want to try to take advantage of that.
1: Well, let's roll into our favorite subject, which are Ogre Heroes. And let's start with the Ogre Warlock. He's changed a little bit. Matt, you want to walk us through? Sure.
3: I run or, I run Warlocks now. I ran them in 2nd Ed too. Um, just real quick on Ogre Heroes, this is why you take Ogres. If you want to know why to play Ogres, this is the section. that th- These are why we take uh, Ogres. Siege Breakers are cool. Chariots are cool ogre heroes are the best thing out there and they have kind of a double-edged sword where they're not individuals and we don't have access to any individuals that are worth anything but the the heroes the fact that they can score the fact that they get double attacks on flanks uh makes them so freaking good uh but the warlock here is our spellcaster and just like other uh ogre units that normally would not be very good in melee the ogre warlock actually can take a hit um, and can dish one out in a pinch. Uh, I wouldn't suggest it, but if it's disordered, why not? Uh, the Ogre Warlock has a de- speed of six, melee four, defense four, has 12, 14 nerve, 95 points to start with, but it's probably not going to, it's probably going to go up from there. Two attacks and it hits on fours with crush one. So that's something. And it's got brutal, just like everything else. It inspires berserkers. Uh, even if you don't take berserkers, it inspires something. So it inspires itself. Uh, So you can run this on a flank or away from heroes and not be scared. Uh, It's still going to be inspired. It's nimble like all ogre heroes are going to be, and that is an amazing rule. Uh, What makes Warlocks special is that for every core, large infantry regiment, large infantry horde, or large infantry legion, within six inches of it, you can add dice to spells. In version two, it was any spell spell. In this version, it's only Drain Life, Fireball, Lightning Bolt, or Mind Fog, and it only maxes to three, so you don't need to play with any crazy storm councils like you could have done in Second Ed, Uh, but it's still really good. So they come stock with Lightning Bolt three, uh, and really it's going to be Lightning Bolt six at the beginning of the game. Later on in the game, it might go lower, uh, but at the beginning of the game, you're pretty much going to have a plus three to any of these attacks. Uh, You can take Drain Life, which is my favorite. You get Drain Life five. Um, for 20 points that would bring it up to 115 points which is where i really like this unit um, you can take fireball eight uh, which would again be fireball 11 mind fog one which would be mind fog four which almost guarantees that nerve check and blood boil would not be buffed uh, by the warlock spell but you can take blood boil as a one of it has the little bracketed one so you can only do it on one warlock uh, but that's plus 30 points uh, I really like these guys. They are super, super good at the early game because they project such a large lightning bolt. Uh, if you take two of them, which I think is the magic number, you have lightning bolt um, You have lightning bolt 12 at the beginning of the game. And you can get that up to lightning bolt 15 if you use the boomstick, which is cute. Boomstick, of course, gives it plus three lightning bolts. So it's stock lightning bolt six and then gets the plus three. So st- lightning bolt nine. Um, and that's really good for removing chaff. And since chaff is such a much bigger deal in this game, uh, you really need to have... uh, Before, I think you could have had anti-chaff or chaff. Now you kind of need both. And these guys are really good anti-chaff. If, for whatever reason, they don't have a lot of chaff you can remove, you can just start whittling down units. Uh, The Lightning Bolts are really, really good. Um, One thing that I do not like is that they can't heal anymore. Um, But Drain Life is kind of its own... uh, heal and it's not as good. Um, and I use it because it's the only option, not because it's my favorite option. Um, but I think drain life is really good once you get in it. Um, a lot of times with drain life, you end up shooting the wrong target, uh, the target with the lowest defense just to get off that heal. Uh, but drain life can also be really cute. Um, in that it can be shot into melee. So if you get both your warlocks or even one warlock drain lifing into a unit that um, is getting single charged by siege breakers. Of course, when s- siege breakers charge normally, um, it's kind of iffy whether they'll bust it or not. They can, they absolutely can, but they don't always, especially now that they're only crushing two. Uh, but if you start drain lifing the unit too, suddenly, it's basically like they got double charged. And you can just remove units. And at the same time, you're healing up your Siege Breakers or something else on the field. Um, and I think they're really good for that purpose. So Lightning Bolt to close and then Drain Life. And you always want to Drain Life because it doesn't suffer penalties. And it and it has more hits. So always Drain Life if you can.
4: Yeah, I really like the Drain Life option. I think that it's what really unique thing um, for 3rd Edition because this was totally foreign until now. Uh, I, I do come from like an Empire of Dust background too, so drain life is my jam. But uh, I definitely really enjoy having that as as a tool in this army because heal is so impossible to find. And then, like you said, lightning bolt is, is quality. I've tried to do the lightning bolt super stack thing, but it's just my fault that I can't roll with shooting ever. Uh, so I like the idea behind stacking lightning bolt really, really high, but um, me personally, I can't roll force to save my life. On shooting attacks. Anything else, I'm fine, but whatever. Uh, But yeah, really, I think the drain life is where he stands out, and it's really cool, really, really helpful to have that as a center. I do find that ogres uh, tend to block line of sight to their own targets a lot more than other armies. Uh, For whatever reason, I feel like um, sometimes it can be tricky to maneuver your warlock to still get the maximum amount of you know, bonus that you can get while also keeping line of sight, especially yeah. when things get kind of muddled in the middle. It, it does practice. get a little tricky. It's it's definitely not um, super obvious. So be aware of that and then try to stay ahead of that before you, you know, multi-charge something and then you can't train life it because you just blocked all of your line of sight. So well, yeah, that's yeah, that my uh, little warning, warning of.
2: I see the big reason behind what Tyler was saying is because, We're all base height 3, which is 1, so chances are we're taller than our opponent. Uh, Another thing is whereas normal casters like wizards or what have you can get a mount option that suddenly makes them taller than their infantry so they can see over everything, we can't do that. So we're always trying to fight for line of sight, like you said. And even though we've got the speed 6 and nimble, if the rest of your army is running towards the opponent, you're going to fall behind if you're casting every turn, right? So I always found, even by turn 2 and 3, sometimes I'm struggling for that uh, buff for the spellcasting that we get. Uh, Like Matt said too, I find there's only really, you're going to have maybe one or two of these guys. You'd never want more than two in my opinion. I give one Boomstick, maybe the other one Inspiring. And I hadn't tried Drain Life yet, although I do agree it's probably really good.
3: To, uh, for y'all, for, for your point, um, it is def- definitely difficult to get that drain life in. Uh, you have to think a turn ahead the whole time, and they work better on the flanks of your army so you don't run into that problem. Um, but you definitely have to think like, all right, where's my warlock going to be next turn? Where are my hordes going to be next turn um, to really prep it? So I, I do think it's possible, uh, and I don't have problems doing it. Uh, but I don't have problems doing it because I played a lot of games where I had problems doing it. So um, to to get to get used to it, it's definitely one of those weird things to wield. I mean, same thing with like chariot legions, like some people are like, I tried one game and the footprint's so awkward. you know you learn how to not get flanked by getting flanked and you learn how to not set up your drain lives by missing your drain lives. But if you keep it up, I promise you you can do it. It just takes practice. And obviously that, that goes
4: for literally every single army, every single thing in this entire game. The more you practice, the better it's going to be, the more you get comfortable with the stuff you have, and the more you're ready to take on any challenge. So practice, 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 go play lots of games, and make sure it's in public areas so people join all that good and, jazz.
2: Yeah, I would highly recommend any Ogre player to always try to fit in a Warlock if you can, uh, preferably with the Boomstick, in my opinion. Because I just consider Lightning Bolt so crucial now for dealing with chaff, or you might see a lot of the MSU or multiple small units out there. So like Night Stalkers or Orc spamming, Reapers or Morax respectively, and all of a sudden you have a way you can reliably try to take out a unit per turn. And you really get his cost back quickly. Uh, the only thing I wish they had, and is what I've struggled with Ogres the most is that we can't take the stealth aura on the warlock yet. And I think that's the thing he needs more than anything right now, because if you're up against war machines, I think that's, what we really need so maybe in a future pack we'll see that uh maybe some way to swap lightning bolt for for something else like if we could get heal back again because i really miss taking heal and buffing that like when we had uh yeah
3: i think we can take a moment here to mourn the loss of not Nome- N- or however you say it <laughs> right yeah <Man>, he, <laughs> nom nom was he was amazing so good yeah. he was the best ogre hero out there i mean like you know. hands above anything else he was hey, so is- good what if in the
4: future, you know, we get some sort of theme list for ogres where it's like lots of berserkers and Nom
3: Nom makes a grand return? Man, just saying, if, Yeah, what if their if... regiments unlock, bring it up. <laughs>
2: uh, even if, even then, I think we could just expect to see Nomagorok make a comeback in the next Clash of Kings pack. Like, yeah, I factions hope so. might expect units because, yeah,
4: just just like more of this.
2: yeah, I don't think any of them are permanently removed. Uh so. One of the big things kind of making me hold back on ogres for now in tournaments is just waiting to get Nomag and maybe a couple spell options just to kind of round it out a bit. But that was just because I had like a couple bad games, where I was like, I don't know how to
3: deal with this. So uh, I don't think the spell options are as big of a deal. I mean, we didn't have heal before. Not. We had we had the healing charm. Um, yeah. but now, of course, since it specifically states what spells get buffed by their warlock ability heel would not be among them. So you could turn before you could turn a heel, a heel three into a heel six, seven, eight, just depending on how lucky you are and where your spot. And you didn't have that problem where you're trying to line up a shot. So sometimes when you line up a shot, you sacrifice a die to make it happen with heel. You don't need to do that because you're shooting your own dudes, you know? So that was really good. Um, and, of course, Nom Nom came with Heal 3, I think. Was he Heal 3, naturally, or Heal 2? He, right?
2: he was Heal 3, so it often okay. went up to yeah. about Heal 6.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the that nice
2: thing cool. about Heal, too, is it's while you're crossing the table, right? My biggest issue with losing hordes is on that second turn, right before I get to charge, I lose something or it's wavered, and Heal lets you stay above that, right? So yep. it, it's either that or Stealth, I find, could be a big key component in the future, Uh but I don't know. It's still good. Like, I like the Warlock. Lightning Bolt 9 is
3: fantastic. And that's also, you just mentioned, that's one of the limitations of Drain Life, too, because you're not casting Drain Life until you're in the thick of it. So, normally, what I use Drain Life for is to maybe save a unit from death that would have died otherwise. Uh, but you're definitely not saving the first line. You're saving the second line or, you know, that one unit that's definitely going to be out of combat for a turn. You can't do the preemptive healing that you can do if you could heal on turn one
1: let's talk about the boomer sergeant
3: still amazing uh,
2: <laughs> so yeah matt you may as well cover that one i know you love him
3: oh man i love i mean this is it's the same thing as boomers except these guys are just even better i I, oh, man, I love i love boomer sarges um i actually haven't run them in the major lists that i've been running um and i probably haven't run more of them than i should just because i hate making ogre lists not because i hate my boomer sarges and my boomer sergeants has got a lot of paint love so i i want to i'll 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 find a list that I like him on. These guys have four attacks in melee, eight attacks shooting, same exact profile for boomers as far as hitting things and then they're 11-13, 90 points. They're incredible. So they're just they're they're good for all the reasons a flag guy is good. Um which we'll get to and I'll, we'll mention the flag guy when we get to the flag guy, but essentially this guy has the exact same melee profile as the flag guy. It doesn't look like it. Um, but the flag guy hits on threes, whereas this guy hits on fours, so they end up getting the same number of hits and the same number of wounds in the end, uh, mathematically at least. I know fours are slightly more swingy, but who cares? Um, people give this guy a flank a lot, and then they wish they didn't. That's kind of cute. They score, um, and they can shoot. And they're what's so cool about them, as opposed to boomers. I would prefer I would prefer two boomer sarges over a boomer horde any day of the week, even though I'm losing nerve. And even though I'm losing, um, losing, uh, unit strength because they can split. And if you lose one of them, you still have eight shots. They can really mass fire really well. And that's one thing that makes shooting so good, right? So in melee, you can only get one, two, maybe three if the units huge, uh, into it. And you have to work really hard to get that shot. Shooting's obviously a lot easier to line up and you can get more than one or two units. Um, more than one or two units shooting the same thing. So you can move this with your boomers, uh, and suddenly have, you know, 40 shots that are going to be able to blast something. And then it's looking at three units. So yeah, it charges one of you. And then the other two clean it up and melee the next turn or in shooting, because there were three boomer charges moving together as kind of a, a, a force, uh, kind of one unit, but three. So they charge one of them. Um, and the other two clean up with shots because these guys, unlike boomers, are better at shooting. They get double the, double the attack. So they want to shoot if they can. Um, another thing that makes them great is they're only 90 points. So you can throw them away if you have to. Do not be afraid to throw boomer Sarge away to make a way to make a melee stick. You can charge him into a unit and give the ultimate sacrifice as chaff. Um, another one of my favorite little maneuvers uh, to do is if there's no shooting – you can put a boomer Sarge on both corners of a unit that you want to get in melee, and it's suddenly unchargeable. Um, I've done this to great effect against some units. One time I traded um, – this was in V2, but the maneuver is the same in V3. I traded a Revenant Cavalry for a boomer Sarge because I moved uh, I moved uh, Siegebreakers behind with boomer Sarges on both corners. Uh, obviously overlapping the corner. That and suddenly is so cheeky. Suddenly you can't so charge cheeky. them. You can't charge them. Um, and if they don't have any shooting, you're just like, all right, you can stay there, and I will eventually murder you at the boomer sarges. Or you can charge and take one of the boomer sarges, and now you take a siege breaker to the face, and there is nothing you can do about it. Uh, they're just so versatile. They're such a good unit. Boomer sarges are top three ogre units, period, for me.
2: Not only that, too, Matt. Chances are you can flank them with the Boomer Sergeant as well on the other side.
3: <laughs> yeah, these guys for are sure. Push over either, right? So no, they're not. And that's eight attacks on fours with Crush One and Brutal. I mean, they're great. And if they survive to the end of the game, which inevitably at least one of them does, you can just send it on turn six and go go score on the objective. I had no business scoring on to begin with. Their
2: only downside I really see is the lack of inspiring, which you just buy talisman for twenty points. And that was basically what I always did. I would run two back in second and then give one the inspiring and do something similar, right? Where you kind of checkerboard your units. So at least for me, the way I always saw it is I can just prevent any cavalry-sized unit from hitting my ogres. And then, yeah, you just do the same trade you did.
4: Yeah, they're they're amazing. And the world knows it. And hopefully that stays the same because they're, they're just wonderful. And they're at a great price point. Like you said, the, the inspiring would be the best item for them. But yeah, they're stock standard. They're just awesome. And healing
3: brew. healing is also really nice on them. If you have the five points again, nothing you would take stock, but this is one of the first units that I look at for healing brew because, um, with that 1113, they can take a hit and then you can get rid of the small hit and suddenly they're back up to normal. Um, cause they're just strong enough to where they don't get wavered quickly from super light fire.
1: Let's talk about my favorite guy in the army. That's the flag guy. Army standard bearer, he's very similar to what was before with one major difference. He's now defense five, Woohoo! which is amazing, right? So, yeah. I mean, 70 points for I know it's only three attacks, but this guy is super versatile for the amount of points that he costs. And now that he's defense five, there's a very good chance that he's going to, you know. Light chaff, little shooting, it'll bounce.
2: If you have him charge a Knight regiment or something, they're gonna bounce off of you. It's <laughs> it's just gonna happen. He's so good. I don't know why they thought he needed the buff, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it's they just, gave I it to him, him this, you
1: why. but I'll take it. He's it great like.
2: second. He's fantastic in third. Same thing I would do before, right? Like you just give him an item like Bane chant or whatever. Unfortunately you can't take Ben or the Griffin anymore, which was an auto for me. Uh, So I do really miss that. But I've had this guy rear charge something that decides to disrespect him and he'll just one round them. So,
4: yeah, he's still um, one of the best characters out there. Price points. Amazing. Uh, I will say that the ogre command sprue that you add to the, the warrior kit to make like the army flag guy. He's got a big handsome shield that's got a big spike on it. And uh, that's good enough for me for defense five. That That's a great excuse for defense five. So yeah, just super incredible. Uh, can do it all. Just MVP of lots of games that I've played.
1: I think I've run two in almost every list. Yeah. Just because they're so cheap. Like, like Brindley said, you could add, obviously you add Banechant for sure on one of them. And then the other one, mm-hmm. you you could leave naked or, you know, you could give him something else like Healing Brew or something. I don't know. There's there's lots of options for the second one, but the fact that he's uh, so cheap,
3: yeah, one of the things that is so good about him is he's so expendable, uh, which is why I never put Bane Chan on mine because I don't want to be afraid to throw him away at all. Um, you're also really good on chariots, uh, which we haven't mentioned. Um, they were better on chariots when they were 85 or 85 points instead of 100, but they're still good on chariots. Um, having that speed eight, you can throw off and grab something really quick if they survive to the end of the game. Um, You can really quickly, because you're nimble, you can 16 inches to an objective to go grab it because they score. Uh, And they get that thunderous charge one as well. So if they're in the open field, suddenly they're hitting it crushing two. They might be hitting a flank and suddenly it's six attacks on threes, crush two. And you hit them on the front with something else. That's something. Uh, These guys are outstanding. But one thing I want to point especially to people who are new and and don't quite understand what these – I uh, haven't seen them in major tournaments or yet. These guys are not inspiring units. So they inspire, cool. Um, and that's great if they're around to inspire. But these guys have missions, and the fact that they're inspiring just means that they inspire themselves <laughs> and, any, and anything that might be around them. So uh, you don't run these guys. If you ran one as a Bane Chant guy like you did, Rob, I guess that would be like an actual inspiring source. But it, go, yeah, yeah for go ahead. me, like
1: they'll start next to the guys, Yeah. but then they got other to do right they for sure they're yeah. gonna get out they're gonna end up being chaff. they're gonna end up get, grabbing a token they're gonna contest a quarter whatever because to your point they're nimble scoring dudes that are 11 13 in defense five for only 70 points
2: that's just one of the options you're gonna have to agonize over is what to take there's so many things you could do with our heroes
3: in tandem with um goblin scout's you basically have chaff for days with these guys too. And they're good uh, They're good on foot and they're good in a chariot and they do the same thing yeah. their way. They're great.
2: They beat down other chaff, like any kind of gargoyles or speed 10 or snow foxes, anything like that's going to bounce off this guy and then lose in one, I don't know, two turns maybe. And he's so cheap. He's cheaper than they are. With the chariot, too, you, you know, you can just run up 16, turn sideways in someone's face, and they can't get around you. Exactly, exactly.
1: Well, let's talk about some more combat guys. Let's start with the sergeant. Do you guys run the sergeant at all? Oh, yeah.
2: I consider ogres to have four main classes of inspiring hero in terms of, like, what you want to pay for and what you get out of it. So, like, it goes army standard, sergeant, warlord, and grokagamok. Uh, so, sergeant's the second one in this tier, and he used to be way too expensive. I think he was 130 points base before. And so since then, he's dropped 20 points. Uh, I don't think he's actually changed at all. So he's still like hitting on threes, five attacks, nerf 13, 15, and crushing two, which is a bigger deal now than it used to be since you know most people lost crushing strength. And I just love to have this guy as that option that you pay... More, 40 points from the standard bearer, but you get something that can more easily survive a hit and can more easily beat down, say, chaff or something in combat. <laughs> so he's really reliable. If you're ever to hit, say, I don't know, a flyer, you know you're going to make them sit down. You can still do the options for a chariot for 30 points. The crocodile, I would not recommend because I don't think you'll ever have an opportunity where you roll three ones unless you have cursed dice. Uh, the two-handed weapon option, I also don't think I would take, because unless you've got a model that you really want to represent, crushing three isn't really worth it. On this guy, for going down defense, I'd rather be resilient. And then if you are doing more of a ogre gun line, you could take the heavy crossbow, which does lower your defense to four, but you get the 30-inch range piercing two attacks for 10 points, which is not bad. But, I don't know about you guys, but I... I've actually started using the sergeant a lot more now.
4: Yeah. I used to hate on the sergeant quite a bit. Now I, I find myself, especially when points start to get tight towards the end, um, taking that hit from going on that tier list that you're talking about, going from the, the warlord down to the sergeant isn't so bad anymore. It's like, okay, I kind of see where I'm going with it. So I still prefer the warlord, um, because I do think he's just more effective at, at what he's doing. But, um, Sergeant definitely has a place now, and I I do like that. If I need the points, uh, if I need to save the points somewhere else, that he's he's still a good option. So I I like him a lot better now than I did.
3: Yeah, I think the main reason the sergeant is one. I I just have to stop for half a second and say, why did they change it from captain? Because uh, now we, we have the boomer sergeant and the sergeant. Oh, like
0: it's like gross a, with a me little too, confusing.
3: Man. <laughs> like captain was by far the better name for this guy. Yeah, uh, but I think they did solve all the problems with the captain because the captain now the sergeant was in this really awkward spot where he just wasn't the warlord and he was way too expensive to be the flag guy. Um, thank you. Um, but now he is in a really good spot. And if the berserker bully didn't exist, I would, I would really be considering the sergeant at times, but I mean, the bully just kind of takes that spot for me. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the Bully. Berserker
4: Bully is basically the Berserker hero. He is a Speed 6, Melee 3, so he's a little different from most Berserkers because he's Melee 3. Uh, defense 4, as all unit strength um, goes. All these guys are, are unit strength 1. I don't know if we mentioned that, but if we didn't, they're all unit strength. They're all scoring. None of them can be overrun. They're all mighty, essentially, in all the best possible ways, except better. Um, this guy gets 8 attacks. He has dash 14 nerve and he's only 130 points. He's brutal crushing strength two, which is really spicy. Uh, he is inspiring to berserkers only, and he's nimble with the wild charge D three. Same as berserkers. This dude is so awesome. I, I love it. He gets so many attacks. Um, you know he's he's basically the same attack profile now that I'm looking at it. I didn't really notice this. He's like the same melee punchiness as the the slasher. Um, oh wow, he a, is! But he's on a 40, 40 millimeter base,
2: and he's nimble. So, he just doesn't. And he's
4: shit. nimble, <laughs> and he's and he's wild charge. So I guess he's actually faster and better. So if you're looking for a goblin slasher to do offensive things only. Um, don't do that and pick the Berserker Bully because he's... Incredible. Yeah, because he wants to that. run
2: anyways, right? Like, you're yeah. not only faster with the Wild Charge, or, or technically you could be faster. You're probably faster. you're always running because you want your Berserker Bully typically going down the flank. Because anything he flanks is going to die. That's just how it works. The only yeah. thing I wish he had, and he doesn't, which makes me sad, is he can't take the crocodile Because if he had his little Berserker crocodile buddy, he would be so good.
3: He's already yeah, this, good. This is, yeah, he's, he's already
2: this, amazing. Really
3: now, I'll point out he costs almost the same as two flag guys. and he. But if you have the points and not the unlocks, which Ogres are often looking at, um, he's, as, he's stronger than two flag guys. And you mentioned he was inspiring to Berserkers. So obviously he runs well with Berserkers, but that also means that he inspires himself so he can go on little solo missions and he's not scared. Yeah.
2: I do find his, yeah, I find the Inspiring mainly only ever affects himself, because you've already got your Warlock Inspiring Berserkers as well. Uh, So they kind of overlap a bit on that, but this guy's got a very different role, right? Like, he very much just wants to go beat the crap out of things rather than support your battle line for Inspiring.
3: Between this guy and the Berserkers, though, getting fixed, I think you could legitimately have like a a mildly at least competitive army with just Berserkers.
2: With a thematic list? Yeah, for sure.
3: I don't know if it would be, like, top tier, but I think you you could get far with it. I think the
2: general could do well with it, for sure.
3: Yeah, and I don't think there's any combination that you could really screw up on either. So if you want, like, a tier 2, tier 1.5 army list that's thematic, cool, and you really can't screw up, just take Warlords, Bullies, and Berserkers in any order you want to.
0: (sighs)
2: Okay, Matt, do you want to rant about the one that I know you
3: love? I love the Warlord. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. Okay, so the Warlord is exactly the same as he was before, except he's cheaper. He dropped 30 points. That's a lot of points. Um, He's good on foot. He excels on a chariot. Um, So let's get into the stats here. So he's speed 6, he's melee 3, he's defense 5. He gets 7 attacks. He has the same nerve as a warrior horde, which is fifteen seventeen, and he's one hundred and fifty five points. He's brutal. He's got crush true two. He's inspiring and he's nimble. So um, this guy is so good at fighting things. He's like a blocker supreme. Um, he's basically a cheaper mammoth. I would I would say I think that's I think that's accurate to say. He gets thunderous one if you put him on a chariot, which brings him up to one hundred and eighty five points. Um, he can technically take a two-handed weapon but i don't think you would ever want to do that because he's already crushed two and that defense five is what makes him so good um he's he's your expensive hero so if you want a hero that can actually hold his own that might actually be able to murder something that can reliably make sure a flyer sits on its butt this is your guy right so the asb might ground a flyer the warlord will absolutely ground a flyer. Yeah. If the warlord gets a flank, he's going to kill it. Or he's yeah. going to make it wish it wasn't alive. And yeah, Warlord. Warlord doesn't just ground the flyer, he like
4: legitimately threatens the flyer so. Oh yeah. If they get if, if,
3: if they get in an actual smash match, like dragon hits me, I hit dragon, dragon hits me, I hit dragon. <laughs> if warlord got the first charge, it might actually win that. Especially and a
2: the middle there too.
3: Yeah, and it's definitely gonna beat any night horde. Or Horde, I take that back. I meant to say Regiment. Um, It can definitely take a Knight Regiment. So if you you chaff it to the point where the Warlord gets the first charge, he's going to strip Thunderous, he's crushed two on his own, he's going to reliably get three to four wounds on this thing, and he's not going to take much because he's Defense 5 and you stripped the thing that they need. So he will uh, solo any Knight Regiment.
2: And it shouldn't be hard either to get that charge because your Height Force, you see over any chaff that could ever hit you. You're nimble, so you can get around said chaff to go. Which hit is him.
3: such a big deal, and why he is better yeah. than the man is the nimble. Yeah.
2: And this is the guy too, where I think the crocodile actually becomes worth it because mm-hmm. with seven attacks, you may get that whiff roll that all of a sudden you're not whiffing anymore for five points, and you can one shot something that normally you might struggle
3: with. I and, like the uh, yeah. blade of slashing on him a lot too. Like yeah, that, that's or crushing big. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one's good. It's essentially the same thing in the end, but um. I, I like blade of slashing a little bit more because he's more likely to miss a melee uh, to hit than to wound. Um, and sometimes you get all the wounds anyway, cause he's on twos a lot. Um, he normally always at least misses one attack. Sometimes I, I find myself, he occasionally likes to miss either all his attacks or none of his attacks, but um, that's neither here nor there. That's dice weirdness. Uh, he's just, he's so good, but the blade of slashing makes him a lot more powerful. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I like
4: doing Blade of Slashing on a Chariot. That's usually my favorite way to run Warlord.
3: So, yeah. yeah. One He's, of the only ways that I will uh, like auto-put Blade of Slashing on something is this guy.
2: <clears throat> something I could see funny, too, because I've seen it posted most before, is with the Warlord or the Bully, I've seen people take Blade of the Beast Slayer because it puts your crushing up to four against... You know, like large infantry plus in size, which seems a little bit overkill. But then if you ever go up against a defense six unit, then you're beating the crap out of them. And even a dragon, too, right? You're winning it on twos at that point for 20 points. It's not terrible. I think it's a little bit overkill, but.
3: And I just to point out, his nerve is 15, 17. So this guy sticks around um, a lot more than your other heroes. Your other heroes normally can't take a punch. Uh, or can only take one punch or a light punch. Um, this guy fights just as hard as your ogre. He doesn't hit as as often, but he sticks around just as long as a, uh, a ogre horde would.
2: Yeah, and that's that's why I like that trade off, right? Like I said, with the tiers of heroes, basically from this guy down to sergeant, down to army standard, you you basically keep you know paying forty points to get two more attacks, two more nerve and it's depending on what you want to do with them so the warlord can actually take on stronger units whereas the sergeant kind of has to try to take on you know like a weak chaff or just be a sacrifice uh just i wouldn't typically ever want to sacrifice the warlord unless it was desperate because at that point especially if you're on a chariot you are 185
3: points but
2: he's fantastic too so
3: he's my backup chaff right so yep. when I when I have lost all my real chaff and I've lost all my blockers and I still need something to chaff it up this is the guy I throw in because at that point you keep the things that have more attacks um, and until then he's just a really good support unit or solo fighter he goes and hunts war machines down um, he might ground flyers he might threaten flanks um, he might go in tandem with an ASB on Chariot and let the ASB on Chariot be the chaff. And then he comes in to make sure he gets the good hit. Um, But don't be afraid to throw this guy away either. I mean, don't throw him away on turn one, but on turn four or five, if you need a, if you need a turn or two, um, he's really good at that.
2: So do you guys think you want to talk about the, the final big bad now and see if we get him over with? Yeah, we should talk about Grok (laughs) because Grok's, Grok's awesome. How about you
1: Rob you can talk
2: about Grox. I know you love him a lot.
1: Grokamok, he's a unique character, speed 6, melee 3+, defense 5+, 7 attacks, 15-17 nerve with 250 points. But he's got Blast d 3, so 7 attacks could potentially become 21 hits basically. The regular warlords only crush 2, right? Yeah, so the crush 3 is big. So I like to keep him in my in the middle of my lines and so when 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 you send in a unit that you don't think can one shot something Throw him in too, and if you have to, throw him into something. I mean, if if you, <laughs> I've seen flukier things, right? I and mean, if you if you really spike that roll, you might be able to pop a big a big horde.
2: On average, he's effectively fourteen attacks instead of seven. Right? He's just very swingy. I've but had yeah, times that's... where I get one single hit with him. I've had times where I do thirty wounds to Shobik or something in the rear, and it's hilarious. But
3: Uh, That's the thing about Grok, you can't figure out the math on him, right? I mean, you you theoretically could get an average, but your bell curve's a lot swingier with this guy. So when he shows up, he shows up. And then sometimes he just whiffs, and I think that has a really good psychological effect on your opponent. Um, They're terrified of Grok, way more than an ogre uh, warrior horde. And honestly, they do about the same output normally, Mm -hmm. Um, but he's just so scary. Very inspiring is a really big deal, and one thing I want to point out: even though Grok didn't change at all, he's the same points. Literally, nothing changed about him. Crushing three is now a much bigger deal than it used to be. Yeah,
1: you know, crushing three is the is the guy you need to send in when you got to hit those defense six guys. You're gonna need Grok or a giant.
4: And and don't don't sleep on very inspiring because very inspiring it's in the ogre list, especially when your army standards are running around doing their own thing. And, you know, you got your warlord who inspires, but he's off doing his own thing. And, right. you know, you got lots of inspiring this only kind of things. Very inspiring. And having Grok is like, it's really, really nice. So don't don't overlook that either, because it's super
1: good. The other thing about him is because he's, a, he's an ogre character it means he's nimble. He actually is fairly easy to get into a flank. Right. And if you can get him into a flank. Oh, he murders it. He, he murders something.
2: Flanks are hilarious. Like you take Grok Agamok. Not necessarily because he's ridiculously good or anything. You take it because he's fun when you get those big charges. And if you get him into a flank, it just turns into a massacre.
3: That's the end of any unit in,
2: in yeah.
4: existence, period. And, and he's so unique in the fact that, you know, this is very much not hero hammer, despite how much time we're spending on heroes. But in terms of like all of Kings War as a whole, there is no character that can like one shot a horde except for Grok. Like, you can have, like, a really good vampire or whatever, and I don't care because you're not Grok. Grok can completely delete something in a way that nobody else can.
2: I've seen it happen before. I've, I've had it used against me. I had Grokagamok come up and do something like 12 wounds to a Siegebreaker horde, and I was like, well, that's gone.
1: <laughs> Flip side, though, he can also completely crap the bed. I've had that happen, too, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Him crapping but, the bed is why I don't use Grok anymore, because I just found it too unreliable that you need him to work and he doesn't
3: he opens up a slot though in your hero army right so he has very inspiring which is a really big deal for ogres it's a bigger deal for ogres than other units i don't know how y'all play but i play very blocky i set up like my i set up my um kill zone i have second line defenses so i normally only take up about a third of the a third of the map with my main core at least which is really only about 18 inches wide, which is exactly how big this guy is. So he really is the only inspiring source you need in your main core, which means that you don't need an alternate inspiring guy because he's going to stick around. No one's going to kill Grok on turn one. Um, And that means that's another hero that you could either have as a boomer Sarge or a warlock or something else that isn't inspiring your main line, which I think is uh, something to mention. He's basically a giant. For twenty five extra points that actually can murder things
1: and inspires your entire army. Well, should we keep moving on? You know, Brindley, you want to talk about the Red Goblin Bigot?
2: Uh, yeah. So I guess so. We got two options for Red Goblin heroes now. So we did keep one of the ones that I thought we would lose, actually. But anyway, so the Bigot now is cheaper than he used to be for his base cost, but the mount option is a bit more expensive. So he's fifty five points base, and then the mount on a flea bag is twenty five. And so he's still speed 5, melee 4, defense four, zero 0 unit strength, because he is a yielding individual, so I think he's the only one in our entire army, uh, with 3 attacks, nine eleven nerve, and base of 55 points. So, the thing about this is, he did gain crushing 1, and he's still inspiring goblins only, so he inspires himself, or blasters, what have you. But, I don't use this guy as much anymore because in the past in second dead you could basically run them with a mount with speed 10 you could get anywhere in front of any unit and sit in front of them and you block that unit as a chaff for one turn but now because yielding units can be ignored in terms of movement they can just go through you unless they're disordered so basically if you want to try to slow down a hammer or a dragon or what have you you have to hope that with your three attacks on four is crushing one that you do a wound. If you don't, you are screwed. And because of that, I I haven't wanted to take him yet. Uh, and I see the role of the bigot now being war machine hunting or maybe trying to hit a ranged unit.
1: Because he's got the crushing strength one, which is which is decent but he's 80 points now when you mount him because you got to mount him, right? There's no other way to, to
2: use him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's, he's
1: not effective at, at speed five, right? Yeah,
4: they should just call him Red Goblin Bigot on Fleabag. <laughs> that should just be his title.
1: I have run a couple in, in third edition, and as a War Machine Hunter, he is pretty good. Um, The fact that he is an individual and gets that, you know, basically that 360 degree line of sight, uh, he can get to where he needs to be, but he is definitely no longer a chaff, right? So he can disorder... A shooting unit, he can take out a war machine more reliably now with the crushing strength one. But other than that, that's really the only role. Like if you can't, you can't send him into a dragon. Three attacks, you might get one. You know, you might get one hit.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I did the comparison too, right? When I was looking around to see who are these effective cheap heroes to make stuff sit down or be disordered, and the bigots eighty points mounted like you said, but an elven prince mounted is the same cost. For one less speed, they have higher nerve, higher defense, hit better, and have elite. <laughs> I just I couldn't convince myself to to take a bigot with that kind of a handicap. It's just not close to being good enough for me.
1: Well let's talk about Kuzlo and Madfall. Um I've not ever, ever used him, but I did just purchase the model and the model is fantastic. And he's a little bit like Gracamok in that he could kind of be a gambler, you know, because he, he, he's he got some weird stuff going on. He's Speed 8, which is great. Hits on 3s, Defense 4. He's got 5 attacks, 13, 15 Nerve, and 145 points. He's got Crushing 2. He's Inspiring to himself only, which is interesting. But you'll kind of understand why in a minute, why he does, you don't want to buy a whole bunch of your own stuff. Uh, nimble, Pathfinder, Regen, 4+. Vicious, Malay, so basically got all the special rules. And he's got a a rule called Ravenous Lizard. While within six inches of this unit, all units, both friendly and enemy, have minus one to their waiver and route values. I'm trying to figure out how I even would want to play him because you almost don't want him anywhere near you until you're stuck in big combat.
2: Like, I could see Kuzlo being the unit that you throw away on the flank, basically. So if you're trying to, say, do what Matt does with his compact brick of ogres... Use Kuzlo to be your denied flank.
1: He does have Sticky Tongue, which gives them the Enthrall spell. Uh, So he's got Enthrall 5, and he has Hex 3 as well.
3: He's cute. He's really cute. And he's the only unit in the game that allows you to get the dream, and that's Dread Brutal. It's minus 2, man. It's a big deal. It's the only way in the game to do it. It It's not Dread. Uh, Okay, okay. I see what you mean. It's Dread, but it's not Dread because it affects you too. Well,
4: see, um, my issue is that like all combats are six inches close enough. So if you ever did get him on a flank, he's going to be within six inches of your guys by the time it matters. And then you're just hurting yourself.
0: That's not
1: true. Because
3: you can use the enthrall.
1: Pull something to a flank maybe. And as long as you're on the offense, then it's fine, right? As long as you're the one doing the punching
3: and he could use hex too
2: right like if you're setting up in the right Mm -hmm. position or what have you you could be threatening them while still projecting that aura because he isn't that expensive right so 150 points doesn't have to be in combat to to get value
3: hex is so good now too because it's two instead of one wounds per success so you can get that on something that you don't want shooting or you don't want healing and uh that's it's disgusting um, and you can get your guys disordered, not disordered. What's what's the new devastated? So easy with Hex. It's very easy uh, to become devastated with Hex. Um, I watched that happen on one game where someone was casting in dwarves. They surged in and they rolled too good on their surge being hexed. So they were devastated. So they only got chant 1 into the unit. Um, there's a lot of really really cool things that end up happening with with hex now and it's a really good spell
1: and 30 inch range let's let's not kid ourselves that's a long range and the fact that you don't take any modifiers
2: and assuming your opponent doesn't have concentrated artillery or lightning bolt or something shooting him regen four is a big deal 13 15 sure you might get wavered i'm assuming you're sticking him in cover all the time but you can keep going for quite a while and really make your points back just by absorbing shots that aren't going at the rest of your army.
4: And, you know, I do... I will say that he's a lot more viable this time around than last time. Last time was like he almost only hurt your guys and then could barely do something well. But now that he's got a couple tricks and and shenanigans, I can kind of see how how he can make his way into a list
3: here and there. Is that going to be the first goblin in your list? Uh, no, no, definitely not, but you know, good try he uh he's good, I think he's good. I think he's gonna take some time to learn how to use, uh but between enthrall the dread and hex uh and the fact that he's actually good in combat, uh he's very good in combat, uh vicious, I mean sheesh uh I think he's I think he's definitely worth the points
1: well let's get talking about our favorite units. I'll start um, flag guy. I just, I love the flag guy. He's so you, his utility is great. Uh, 70 points. Now he's defense five. So he's even better. So, and we've talked all about him. So what about you guys? What's your favorite units in the game for the ogres?
2: This is, this is really tough. Okay. So I'm kind of torn and I know this is going to be cheating, but uh, I would almost have easier time picking for each type of unit. Like, I just want to say all of the Ogre heroes are are my favorites now because they're is all cheating. good. It is cheating. And then in terms of like, if I had to pick one single unit, it'd probably be the Blaster because I've always loved how hilarious it can be. Uh, and I don't know, it's just more reliable now. I still like it. So I'd say Blaster.
4: Talking about a single unit, obviously there, there are standouts that are just really, really good. But I think... In terms of third edition, and this being kind of a new thing, I really like Berserker Braves with the Wild Charge. I think Wild Charge makes them just so fun to use and so threatening to where they used to not be as threatening. I, I really like the changes to Berserker Braves, so I'm gonna combo that and cheat a little bit and say that the Berserker Bully's really great too. But
3: I'm gonna throw, em, gonna throw my my Berserker Braves a bone here. So
4: I like Berserker Braves.
3: I'm not gonna let anybody else like have to re-listen to me orgasm on how much I love Boomer Sarges, but just go back and listen to that. I don't have to cheat; it's a Boomer Sarge, and my second choice is also Boomer Sarge. If I had to pick a third time, probably I would think it'd still be Boomer Sarge. Cherry hordes. You know, that's that's a good fourth. It's my fourth favorite <laughs> unit. My first three favorite units are Boomer Sarges.
1: Let's talk about how do you play this army competitively.
2: I I try to make this army be one that can trade effectively and has way more chaff than your opponent can have. So in the last list I used in the GT, I had chaff between my heroes, which I think I had around four. Uh, I had Red Goblin Rabble Regiment, and I had my Blasters. And any one of those could be chaff. And even then, I wasn't using the Red Goblin Scout Troops I know all you guys are using. Uh, So I just try to to advance and if there is any shooting I just try to get cover from it or weather it so if it's going at siege breakers I don't really care unless it's a bunch of like heavy mortars then I do care Uh, then whenever I get into combat I just try to dictate the fights in terms of hitting their hammers if I can or just trying to blow through a line of units maybe three to four units a turn if possible with all my hammers and then try to tie up everything else while I can Uh, For any shooting or flyers, I find are the biggest weaknesses for me using ogres, so I try to have things, and I say everyone else should too, is always try to have a way to deal with shooting or flying. Dealing with shooting, I think the best option right now is probably red goblin bigots or scouts. And then in terms of flyers, then like the other guys have said, boomers and maybe even a red goblin slasher, something like that, that can turn and threaten a wide area. yeah, I'd say overall that that's kind of how I play them. I don't know about you guys.
4: Yeah, I think I think what's going to be so fun about this is all of us are so different. And I think that really is a testament to how ogres are really. um, They're just such a good list because you can play in so many different ways. Uh, So like me personally, I think that this this edition, I've been trying to do a lot of speed and just having lots of I mean, this has always been the same for me, but having lots of hordes, uh, I think that the large infantry hordes is kind of why you play this army. And I feel like they are really high quality units. Um, So I've been trying to focus more on speed and kind of layering up my stuff because in previous, and this is just me kind of increasing my skill as a player, not layering my stuff really hurt me. And so trying to get used to layering is really important with ogres, especially. And I think, um, like I said, the, the speed and when we get into like the lists, I think, um, it's been giving me a lot of success. I really enjoy it. And it's it's a fun new way to play it. And um, I think in terms of really increasing your, your skill as a player, just practice and try and play until you find something you really like, because the ogre list is full of so many good options that it's it's hard to go completely wrong.
3: For me, uh, winning with ogres, there's a couple things you really have to be very aware of. One, our units can't take as many hits as you think they can. So you have to be, you have to be keenly aware of that. You want to avoid damage on your big main hitters for as long as possible. Um, two, we're not going to get the charge. We're too slow, uh, unless you're playing dwarves, which is our easiest matchup. Um, other than that, you're not going to get the charge. So you have to uh, make sure that you brought enough chaff to ensure that you fight for the charge. Or you can also use chaff to block your units. I've already mentioned my little cute trick with the boomer sarges. You can do that with literally any hero. It doesn't have to be a boomer sarge. It just works better because they have a shooting projection uh, to to give it a threat in addition to um, just blocking. But you can always do that with heroes. You can do that with goblin chaff. If there's just too many things coming in, Instead of um, instead of charging your chaff into one thing, just put your chaff right in front of your unit and make sure your guy's in charge range. Now you are uh, projecting a threat and making it impossible to charge this guy. Those are pretty much the only ways that we're going to get um, the first charge is if you sacrifice a unit to make it happen. It's going to be a flag guy. It can be goblin uh, scouts. It can be uh, that hero you really wanted to keep around. It could be a wounded unit. I, whatever it is like that's the only way you're going to get the charge otherwise you have to really know how you're going to take a hit never ever let yourself get double charged um ever it's you will die um and then another thing that's really important with ogres is a second line uh once again we use like we lose our units it's just going to happen uh you, it's it's going to happen it's an inevitability uh The other guy has stuff, so I mean, this stuff is going to try to kill you, and they are eventually going to succeed at something. Uh, If you have a second line to plug the first hole that opens up, your chances are a lot better. I've already mentioned that I like two-headed warriors in the back uh, to plug a hole. That's a really good one. There can be others. Boomers are another great option because boomers are still good at melee. So uh, they shoot until there's a hole, and then they plug it. Um, You have to have a second line. So, lots of chaff, second line, grab as many heroes as you can fit in your list.
1: This would be a good time to just talk about army composition. I know we talked about unlocks and stuff, but you know what units are in your guys' effective ogre lists?
3: So, the first thing you want is a core line, right? Uh, siege Breakers are what I always use, but you could use other things. I've experimented with Hunters being my core line. I would not do that if your meta has shooting. Uh, but in Texas, a lot of us don't take shooting, or we take very little shooting. Uh, so that that worked. Um, you could use Giants just as well, but you need something that can take a hit and has a high defense or has a way to mitigate damage in the case of Hunters. Um, as your core, uh, you need a shooting component. Uh, I would say Warlocks are good at that. Boomers are good at that. Uh, if you like the shooter flavor, shooters could do that too. Um, there might be some other options, but you need at least some light shooting to remove Chaff. Uh, you need chaff so you're going to need your scouts uh, or you're going to need ASBs on chariots or ASBs on foot Uh, if you're using them as chaff I would suggest definitely giving your ASBs chariots um, because they're going to want it Uh, you need at least some kind of support unit so I know you've mentioned banechant I don't like banechant but I can see why it's useful and I think it's more useful in this edition than it was last Um, ogres used to have enough crushing that it didn't matter now they're kind of on that knife's edge where their crushing is good, but it's not amazing anymore. Um, So I can see why you'd want Banechant. I like Warlocks for the heal and the drain life support. I think drain life goes really well with Ogres because it gives you um, healing and aids in combat. So you can almost double charge even though you're single charging units. Um, But you're going to want that. You're going to need something to take care of flyers. I think boomers are the obvious choice. Uh, but if not, you could take like the bigot or whatnot, uh, to ground, um, heroes or whatnot. Uh, without boomers, you're really going to have to watch about how your units are positioned. Uh, fighting flyers is just as much about making sure that you're covering their drop zones, uh, and making sure that you're not leaving yourself open to flanks, which really limits your options. If you don't have boomers, I think boomers are the best way to deal with flyers in the game, not just in the ogre list, like in the game. So take those, um, but as long as you have a main line that can survive, a second line that might be weaker but can take it out, uh, some sort of support unit, be it boomers, casters, or something of the tween, of the tween and chaff pieces, uh, you should have a pretty good ogre list.
2: So I can go next then. Uh, I guess I could just list off like an example list I made in a second to kind of get through my point. But uh, I play slightly differently than Matt. Typically, I like to play more of a wider game and only have, like, one deep line of ogres, but I try to keep them alive as long as I can so I can move my whole line at once forward, you know, like the 12 a turn, what have you, and keep it pretty uniform. So, I often run a lot of chaff to try to basically keep things away from my hordes unless I get to dictate those fights. So... Just to like run through an example of the list that I made, I had like one each of like Hunter and Warrior hordes, two Siegebreaker hordes that basically make this core of my list, uh, as you were saying. Then I've got a whole bunch of chaff between like Red Goblin Rebel Regiment, uh, Red Goblin Scout Troop, two Red Goblin Blasters, and then four heroes of a Berserker Bully, Warlock with a Boomstick, Army Standard, and an Ogre Sergeant. So every one of these guys has a different role. And basically, that means when I'm deploying, I can figure out, like, what does my opponent have that I want to deal with? And I can stick them down wherever I want. And then just to round out the list, I had a giant Red Goblin Spitter Regiment, which can just sit in the back and score an objective. And from that, I basically find that I could take on, for the most part, quite a few armies. I think it was well-rounded. And... It's got a mix of crushing strength, which I think everyone should always do, because you never know if you're going to wind up against a defense 2 spam army, an ensnare spam, or all flyers. You know, it it could be anything. Um, For the most part, I build to face face-against balance lists, and the thing that that list in particular, or what I've been using lacks a lot, is the boomer hordes. So I think at higher points, I would try to include those as well. How about you, Tyler?
4: Uh, yeah, so I've kind of alluded to what I've been trying to do with 3rd Edition. I have tons of ogre models, so I just try lots of different things. But lately I've been on this speed kick, and I've been really enjoying it. So basically I do have the, the kind of central um, block of stuff. So I basically in my list have two Berserker Brave hordes that are in front of my two warrior hordes. One of those has the two-handed weapons. And uh, so that's kind of my my core of things. And then I have a warlock in there for the lightning bolt, for the drain life, all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of like the main, I don't know, center of my army. And then the rest of it is all pretty fast and, and you can't sleep on the, uh, the berserker braves cause they're fast too. Um, so this whole, this whole list is, is really quick, but then I, I've got the, uh, the two hunter hordes. One of them has haste. One of them has meat of madness and then, um, I've got the chariots, and it kind of depends on, on my opponent and how they are setting up a little bit in terms of how um, heavily on one side or the other that I put all this fast stuff. But I've found that it's it's surprising to see ogres at this kind of speed, and it tends to throw off a lot of people. Uh, even if they do have chaff, chaff options, I have enough things that are quick enough or a little bit of shooting and that kind of thing that can kind of take care of it. Um and just, just kind of having a fast list like this has been good for me in terms of like flyers and things, too, because I can tend to get into uh, central areas and and like close the gap faster than a lot of other things. Um, so that's kind of how my list has been going. I, I have the uh, Berserker Bully in there as well and the Warlord on Chariot, which is awesome. Um, so in general... That's that's kind of what I've been doing is just running lots of fast things on one side, having that core in the middle, and then uh, going for it. So if anyone else has any uh, example lists, uh, now would be a great time.
3: Yeah, I do. Um, now I, all the things I harped on, I don't use too much in this list, so that's going to be kind of ironic. But this is me trying to make V three work. Uh, this list is this list is twenty three hundred. Um, so if some of you that play a little lower that this is like my possible lone wolf list. Um, lone wolf of course is the really big tournament here in Texas. It's probably one of the biggest tournaments in the U S if not the biggest tournament, in the U S but anyway, um, I'm taking two chariot hordes is my base, which I think I talked about. One of those has pathfinder. One of them has J boots. If I could give both of them J boots, I'd just take that instead. That's how good J boots are. Um, I have two units of scouts. Um, and then for my core, and of course the chariot hordes are kind of cores, but they operate separately. So they don't need assistance. Uh, they need chaff, but they don't need like assistance. Um, so my central core is two hordes of siege breakers and a boomer horde behind them. Um, the boomer horde does the same thing that I would normally do. And instead of, um, instead of, Boomer Sarges. These are definitely holding the Boomer Sarge role, um, but I took Warlocks. Um, That's for some early game removal with the Lightning Bolt and for late game healing. And basically if I could take two boomer sarges and nom nom instead that's what I would do it's just nom Nom's not around uh so this is my way to get around the fact that we don't have nom nom anymore so this list might drastically change if we get him back um but the warlocks I have both with drain life one with the boomstick one with inspiring um so that's really useful I take two ogre warlords on chariot an ASB on chariot and then a goblin blaster because I had the points. I would much prefer this guy to be a flag guy, but I literally don't have five points. <laughs> um, I don't like the blaster just because I don't use him very well. I think the blaster is really good, um, but I've almost used him just to score and threaten rather than anything else. I don't care what happens to the blaster though. So he's also really good at chaff if I need a chaff piece.
2: Yeah. Like I primarily use it as chaff and then if I don't need it as chaff, it's hitting something. So it works out.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's not bad. I like, I just, I don't, I don't understand the blaster. That's it. I, yeah. I understand it on paper. I am just not good at using it yet.
2: Well, and you're better at using heroes overall anyway. So you, right, you generally yeah. have your points committed into boomer sergeants and stuff like that. So,
1: <laughs> well, we did have some questions about army construction and uh, we answered most of Rob Clark's questions, but one he did want to ask is, can an MSU Ogre Army work in 3rd Edition? What say you? Um, no.
2: Yeah, well, from a straight unlocking standpoint, no. But you could still do a mix of ones. So you could have, I don't know, maybe three Ogre Hordes, which would allow you to have anything of three heroes and a mix of three hero or uh, monster and War Machine. I guess we don't have War Machine, just monsters. And then you could have, depending on the points level, you know, like six to 10 regiments. But for for the long answer, it's going to just sum up to be no, because in my opinion, unless you're using Berserker Brave regiments, they waver far too easily.
1: Yeah, that was going to be like, my answer, too. I think if you, if you centered it on Berserker Braves, then you probably could, because yeah. with the Fearless 15, that's that's going to stick around. Uh Matt, but you won't have any unlocks. Yeah, you won't have any unlocks, which which is the real shame because I think, you know, the juicy center of the army is is the, the, the great characters.
3: Yeah, I, I was actually – I was going to play a really weird list in 3rd Ed. Um, I was going to run like two boomers uh, – I was going to run like two um, bullies. There we go. Two bullies, two warlords, and then two warlocks with just a crap ton of Berserker Brave regiments. I don't think that list is, um, OP. I don't know why someone would think that list is OP. Um, but it's weird and it's definitely unique. Um, a lot of people said they didn't take regiments in second ed. I always took at least two regiments. It was either chariots or berserker braves always. Um, but, and of course there's the regiments, the chariot regiments still exist. It's just, they're 40 points more expensive now. So they're no longer a cheap unlock, um, not that 170 points is cheap, but whatever. It's we're ogres. Everything's more expensive. That's just how we roll. Um, I I think that would be really fun, and I hope the RC fixes that at some point. I think it's a real quick, easy fix. Ogres unlock with their large infantry regiments. It's an ogre special rule, and we're the only army in the game that only has large infantry. So it's not like it's weird. Uh, we're the we're the oddballs anyway. So it makes sense that we have an oddball rule. Um. I think MSU would be really fun. I don't think it would be OP. I think it would be like fighting a hornet's nest. You know, each individual hornet's really easy to slap, but hopefully you die to death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, And maybe not. I mean, a Varanger list or a Northern Alliance list or an undead list just coming hard and killing literally everything on the first hit. Um, You know, you, you probably just don't have the stamina unless you know how to play it right. But I think it'd be really fun.
1: So now let's jump in and talk about some strategies for playing Ogres against certain kinds of builds. Let's start with fast and flying armies. We talked a little bit about boomers, but we have a specific question. Mike Jacobs asked, how can Ogres effectively deal with armies composed of a lot of flying units? My Ogres faced off against a full army with eight units of torture souls and two Archfiends with fly.
2: When I was at the Chicago Masters with Ogres, I had to play against an army that was basically exactly that. He, he had the tortured souls before they got nerfed, so they were really strong at the time. And I went into this thinking, oh crap, what do I do? And from that, uh, I can tell you the hardest thing to do, but the most effective is knowing how to force them into charges they don't want. So that can be anything of forcing them to be in your flank so they can only charge your flank, but then blocking it through the use of impassable terrain or another unit. they can't fit, they can't charge you. So you can do that with an ogre list because you tend to be pretty compact. Uh, you could also try using a lot of chaff, which I always try to have quite a bit. And so you can force them to either not be able to charge you or get a charge that they don't want. So say one tortured soul horde and a siege breakers is not going to kill you, and then you're going to kill them in return. Uh, so that's one thing you could do. Boomers are an obvious option, um, but against all flyers, they can struggle a bit because they can only take out one unit at a time, maybe two. Uh, so I do find that like forcing them to also be hindered, which most of the time those lists lack Pathfinder or Strider. Uh, so if they're hindered hitting you and you get to hit back, then you're going to crush
3: them. So obviously the answer here, this is, this is a unique question. It's not how to ogres deal with flyers. It's how to ogres deal with an entirely flying army. Right? So I think the answer there is going to be, well, we're it's, it's, unless you n- know very well how to deal with flyers, anyone's, any army, any army is going to have problems with the uniquely totally flying army. Um, so with ogres, how do you deal with like basic flying? We've already gone over that with boomers. I don't need to explain that again. Um, how do you deal with an entirely flying army? Um, learn how to play about flyers, block up, watch your flanks, and use boomers to the best effect that you can. Uh, put them to at least block one side. Um, I really like if the scenario allows me to, to deploy on a far right or far left flank in a block against flyers. That way I only have one flank to worry about to begin with. Um, it works perfectly well with invade. Um, it works good with control you're going to you're going to give up basically you're committing to scoring in the four uh the two central and then the two on the left or the right and you give up the other two uh but that's okay it's not a big deal you just have to really commit uh, just like in loot where if you only went after two tokens and you just gave them the third token it's the same idea it's a gambit right um but really as far as a whole flying army it's going to be hard for anyone i think i think uh Ogres have a better chance of dealing with it because boomers are just so good against flyers. Um, but you know, you, you make them come to you, you dictate where you fight. You do that by using smart deployment and smart tactics and you block up. Don't leave flyer sized holes in your line. That's a great way to get charged in the back. Um, and don't let your heroes like you can't dangle your heroes if you dangle your heroes they're going to pick them up and look at look at a flank and that's that's the beauty of flyers right so like if a flyer comes down without being able to charge something and it takes like three turns to get in your rear um if a flyer is given a dangled hero they can charge it kill it and turn around and they're looking at your rear like one to two turns faster than normal you cannot do that like, that can literally end the game with a single mistake. So you have to be really careful with flyers. Uh, but I don't think ogres struggle against an all-flying list any more than another army would.
1: The all-flying armies are harder to do now because most of the heavy hitters are irregular, right? So, and most have been toned back a little bit, so...
2: Well, they they can still happen. Hopefully, you just don't have people in your area that use, you know, like four dragons or something. But uh, those lists tend to... Not really win events, so you don't often see power gamers use them. Uh, and unfortunately, like whenever you're playing against all flyers, just go into it trying to like think of how can I learn how to play against this and just try to have a fun time. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean,
4: you guys definitely covered it. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much you can do. Anchoring against the side of a terrain piece is probably my best advice. Just try to find a big and even if it's just a forest or something that blocks line of sight, um, obviously impassable is the best thing. But yeah, just try to anchor onto a thing and limit how many flanks you can give them. Make sure your angles are tight and don't open up at all if you don't have to.
2: Yeah, and I will emphasize too. I I don't think like these all flying armies or heavy shooting armies aren't that common like the internet makes it seem like they're they might be everywhere in tournaments what have you but it's very right. independent on where you are and like what kind of level your region's at but a lot of people just go in tournaments and they've got very fun lists so
4: yeah hopefully I've, I've you seen shouldn't seen one and a half. i've seen one and a half of these and that was last edition i don't think they can even do that anymore and the other one was a uh, all frogs trident realm army which is only half. That, that's where the 1.5 comes in.
2: Yeah, I think out of yeah, hundreds it's of games, six. and I've been to well over a dozen or 20 tournaments or something, I think I've played all flying lists twice, maybe
3: three times. You're going to see flyers constantly, Yeah, and, but you have the tools to deal with flyers, so no problem.
1: Yeah. We talk about how you compete against the shooting armies. What Matt said about anchoring on the flank and, you know, basically moving to one side or the other, same thing. If you've got a big, you know, gun line of goblins out there, you just make half it not even be able to shoot you because you're just all on one side and just push forward.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
3: I won against a war machine list that way. It was hysterical. Um, I put up my cab front, you know, on the right flank, and uh, the dwarf afterwards put up all their uh, organ guns on that said right flank, and I just redeployed. So turn turn one, I was like, nope, I'm not going down that and just went left. And because those organ guns were so far on the right side, uh, they never, never got to shoot because they would spent their whole turn like inching four inches to try to get closer and closer. It was so funny.
1: Yeah. Reload's a problem. Can't move and shoot. You only got so much range. You got to deploy. You can you can absolutely out deploy them.
3: Yeah. I think with shooting the major problem you have to look at. You have two basic, uh, basic options. One. Use terrain, hide, don't engage, uh, endure the storm, score, right? That's one option. And then the other one is you can only shoot so many of us uh, and just charge full force, go into it, and give what we call a target-rich environment. And just play Um, on dice.
1: (laughs) Operation (laughs) Grill. Just push it right (laughs) into their face and just... Kill some, but some of us are gonna are gonna make it, and we're gonna be swinging. Because those guys, once you get them into combat,
3: oh yeah, you eat them. Like there are cute things. One cute little tactic I will say is really, really cute. Um, you can put goblin scouts behind your main force, especially chariots. They're so good behind chariots. Uh, goblin scouts are deceptively fast, so people don't even see this as a threat. Uh, It's really good for war machines, but it's good for anything that you don't want to hit. You can put your goblin scouts in range of a war machine or something else, just barely, right? And then you put your chariots in front of them. So the chariots screen, and sometimes your opponent won't even notice that those goblins can charge. The chariots charge the next turn, and they go far left or far right. So these goblins suddenly can see what they couldn't see the last turn, And you can take the war machine. It's a really cute little way to maximize your charge distances and get the most out of those things.
1: Also, keep your chaff alive. Nothing worse than putting it out front and getting it shot up right away. You know, keep it behind the siege breakers until it's time to get them out there and actually tie stuff up. Uh,
2: I was going to say, yeah, like the biggest counter, I think, to ogres is indirect war machines because they can generally fire over their lines to hit us and cover doesn't help us at all. So that's the case where you either have to hide behind terrain completely or just rely on Shaft and just bum rush them and pray to the dice gods and shout Valhalla. Uh, and that's the case where I think you do sacrifice the Red Goblin Scout troop because on that first turn, you just run up and you run the scouts in front so they can't shoot you.
1: March it up 20 and put it right in front of the thing or wherever. and just like, okay, you got to shoot me first. I
2: think cannons are the only direct firing war machine that ignores cover. So for the most part, as long as you can get within 12, they can't shoot you anymore. So you got the two turns you have to weather.
1: Yeah, but the cannons have grape shot now within 12. Yeah. which is
2: that That's the one exception is cannons. It's, it's not okay. that bad.
1: Better than what it used to be, which is once you got within 12, they couldn't shoot you at all.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: It, it kills scouts. I mean, it could definitely take out scouts still.
2: But at that point, you're just buying yourself a
1: turns. You don't care. So let's talk about the other types of armies. Uh, Horde armies... Because I kind of feel that ogres are a little bit elite, I think horde armies we could struggle at. Uh, What are you guys' thoughts on? What are you guys' thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I I think ogres struggle against horde armies because we don't have the nerve to grind all that well unless you've got the drain life going, and all of our crushing strength is typically wasted if you're playing against something like zombies. So you just have to hope you're not playing those.
4: Plus, if if You have really high nerve you're going against and really crappy units. You typically want like a double charge kind of scenario. And our units are so expensive that when you start throwing a double charge of ogres into just some, you know, who cares horde, then it it really is difficult to deal with after a while. Even if you are blowing through a horde a turn, if it's a really, really trashy army with lots and lots and lots of hordes, that can still be a huge issue.
3: Watch your flanks when you're fighting them. That's the most important thing, I think, because it's really easy to get surrounded, especially when you have a low drop unit. So obviously they're trying to you know, plug you up and give you more than you can handle to kill, and you've just got to make good decisions when it comes to engaging. But um, it's really easy to get swarmed because our units are so small and we have so few drops sometimes. Um, Really watch your flanks box up if you can. Come in like a force instead of, uh, you know, all in a line across the field, because that's when hordes are really going to hurt you.
1: I mean, Malay armies, I think we we do Malay better than just about anybody. So I, I'm i not really worried about Malay Are you guys?
3: Yeah, unless we're talking about like Varangard style melee where they're fast too.
1: There's not a problem. Yeah. And then the elite armies, we're kind of, like I said, we're elite.
2: Elite armies is one where I think I do like that. Kind of match up. Same with the melee army too, because I outchaff them. So I get to dictate where my fights go. And any ogre horde can generally one shot any other hammer.
3: That said, um, the elite armies, and I think that's more the Varanger style, at least for me, that's what I think of when I think of that the Varanger style super fast melee. And there have been other ones. I mean, Abyssals was able to do it in 2019. Undead can do it still. Um, but the, the super fast melee army, um, yeah, we have more chaff, but we're going to have to use it a lot more because they're coming in fast and we're not. So uh, on those ones, you have to really make sure that you set up bad charges when they come in. Never give them a good charge. Um, so give them iffy charges where it's like, ah, should I take that? Should I not? If if that holds, I'm going to get flanked. I can only single charge things. Um I think using chaff almost as a is a blocker at that point meaning you're you're denying frontage to your base um, is more important than throwing them into the unit because normally they're just gonna surround you and come in fast. So you've just got to make this kind of impregnable fortress, take it and then give back and then use your chaff really really um, judiciously from that point forward.
2: Like as a Veringer player, I can definitely say the last thing I want is to be trading hammers. Because a lot of the time I don't have, you know, much going behind that. Right. So if you can get through the line, you'll, you'll be okay.
3: Great point.
1: Question that we did have Blake Robertson asked, you know, how do you deal with Morgoth? For me personally, I just ignore Morgoth because if I, if you get into that thing where you're chasing him around, you're never going to catch him. So I just try to kill everything else and, and let, you know, let the bodies hit the floor. That's how you
3: deal with any major named hero. Yeah. yeah, they can they can only be so effective.
4: You know, they can only affect so many units per turn. Um, granted, dread really sucks against our army because ogres and dread it's are not bad. friends at all. Yes, um, but yeah, you, like like you just said, Rob, you can't be playing the I'm going to turn to try to face Morgoth and then he's going to fly over my head and then I have to turn to face Morgoth and he's going to fly over my head. You can't do that.
2: So the thing to keep in mind with Morgoth too, though, is aside from a couple units like say hunters or berserkers. He is Drain Life isn't doing all that much because it's got Piercing, but your defense five. So it's only about, you know, two, three wounds a turn, right? And I had to play against uh, Name Drop on Chris Murphy because he had the Morgoth combo with a Lich King with Boots of Elvenkind. So they were both just flying around using Drain Life every turn. And I just completely ignored them. I just accepted they're going to do what they're doing. Uh, what you could do to try to screw up with Morgoth is just don't even bother trying to put boomers at him. It's not going to happen. Instead, just have a hero... Because you're nimble, you can basically go wherever you want. But if you had a sergeant, a warlord, what have you, turn somewhat at an angle or even sideways to the f- uh, facing of the rest of your army, covering your back line, Morgoth can't fly around behind you because then you can just charge him and he's disordered.
4: And so. actually, what what threatens me more about Morgoth is is less... Morgoth and more—the idea of a flying dread thing. Like Nightstalkers have a, an abundance of flying dread things, yeah. um, and so the, all this advice kind of applies to that too. But that—that's what scares me the most. Like Nightstalkers do give me nightmares because they have that that dread that just flies around and just completely cripples my army.
1: <laughs> so, what tips do you guys have for playing against ogres?
4: Use dread <laughs> if you can. If you can get dread, man, it is brutal against our brutal guys like it is really bad and then if you are playing against ogres keep in mind that while they do look big and scary like their nerve is not spectacular it is so so, it's so easy to look at them and be like oh my god they're terrifying i could never break that
3: um but really a lot of the stuff can break pretty easily (laughs) so um yeah getting a getting pot shots onto a unit like that is very important so like let's say you're looking at siege breakers they look nasty as hell but um normally you want to take out the little guys really if you get three or four wounds on those guys before you engage you are absolutely going to waver them uh you might kill them uh but either one's good right so uh it's just a few wounds before we go in really really hurts
2: that's why the heal is so crucial and why i miss it so much the second you do even two to four wounds to me, I'm scared because anything can hit me and kill me at that point. That hits decently hard. So
1: Awesome, guys. Final thoughts on Ogres in 3rd Edition? Play games. Play lots of games. Try out new things.
4: Um, take all of our advice with a grain of salt. It's all our opinions. Most of us don't have a ton of experience with 3rd Edition at this particular point in time. We might have you know, 20-plus games or whatever, but that's still no match for just you going out and experimenting and trying what you like and finding out what, what you enjoy because there's lots of different ways to play it that's what i would say
1: i'll second that too i think playing with a list that you know how to play is always better than playing with what somebody tells you is really good yeah. if you not use the tool then you'll get you'll get a lot more out of it
2: and i'll agree with that too like even from what we've said right like we're going from the standpoint of having played in at least you know for, I think we've all played in quite a few tournaments, except maybe Tyler's only had a couple. The thing to keep in mind is that even all the units we've said here that might not be super good, say, like, the only one that's really bad is Boomer Chariots. I think you could pretty much use anything else and still win a tournament with it. Uh, as you guys already said, it's experience that matters, and it's building a list that can kind of cover its own weaknesses or be well-rounded that matters.
3: <laughs> it's not even just experience with, like ogres in general or knowing how to do them like if you're going to go into a tournament uh i would pick your list at least a month beforehand and just just play that list just play i mean play it as much as you can uh the more reps you get in with the list the better you will be with that exact list and i don't know where
4: else i would say this but um just for fun just as a fun game i decided to do a variety pack list where i just tried basically one horde of each um unit that that i could fit into the list um and other than the shooters it was still a pretty dang good list like it was seven hordes of of ogres and it's just it had lots of different tools lots of things to to work with and so i i feel like ogres is really forgiving and really fun to just mess around with and just try different things because to get that you know great combination takes a lot of practice but just to get an army on the table and just to try out stuff like ogres is one of the best ones for just picking up and
3: playing. Ogres is hella fun too. If you like smashing crap, you're gonna like ogres. Ogres get to smash, and don't be afraid. I I have this less against really top opponents at really big tournaments, like table one through five. But otherwise, I notice I normally either like overwhelmingly win or get my you know teeth kicked in with ogres. Like there's not a lot of in between. So if you get your teeth kicked in a few times, that's okay because when we win, we we kick the teeth. I mean, like seriously, like generally we either break or get broken. So don't don't be too discouraged by that.
2: Play objectives too. Don't always focus necessarily on killing because ogres are good at objective games. They have the unit strength three on pretty much every unit. All of our heroes. You can always think like, okay, what am I doing here? Do I need this here? You need to just throw them out of the way and go get an objective. It can win you games
3: for but sure. They, yeah, yeah, and
2: like. We said to like, don't worry about big losses. Like I've had games where I thought I was going to win by turn two and then all of a sudden double ones and I lose. So it's just what happens. Ogres are a very what I consider dice dependent army. So even if you feel you played something well, I always say try to figure out like what could I have done better. But don't stress at the fact that like your dice were just crap for one tournament is why you did poorly. That happens. We've all had it happen to us. So that's just what happens with these kind of lists, right? I don't know, I just really, I enjoy Ogres. Uh, I'm kind of switching around between armies because third is just fun. There's a lot of opportunities out there. I also didn't really go into allies too much in this, but I like using allies a lot too when playing Ogres. I find you can really experiment, find like neat thematic benefits you can do, something like that.
3: But true Ogres true ogres and for that true players
1: don't use allies so
3: that's right only
1: suckers use allies especially with ogres
2: dirty terrible person and that's why i use allies all oh you're sometimes.
1: canadian so we- yeah canadian. i was
4: gonna say it's pronounced
2: canadian I think. <laughs> <laughs> i'm from Canada. thanks keep counter thanks for listening
0: and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.